Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is The Mandalorian Report. This is the way. 
<laughs> I'm so tired. We are both very tired. I'm sleepy Joseph Scrimshaw, and that is gravelly Ken Nabsock. Uh, <laughs> normal listeners know uh, I say the Mandalorian report or the Bad Batch report or the Obi-Wan Kenobi report or whatever we're watching report. And then Ken either uh, does some great uh, music or uh, like a sound clip from the episode. <laughs> <laughs> that was a perfect that was a perfect pause Vizsla uh, it sounded a little like he was either uh, sadly passing away as he, as he sacrificed his life nobly or he maybe had some gas uh, I couldn't tell oh, from your impression all of the above which might be me as well oh, yeah this is the work thank you yeah, there was a moment in 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 uh, I was gonna say today's episode, not today at all. We're behind uh, in the episode where uh, when the Mandos are are escaping, and one of them's like uh, this way, this way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's so close to this is the way. Uh, I almost thought there was gonna be some cultural confusion of like we don't say this is the way for directions. It's a philosophical version of this is the way. <laughs> Uh, but we are excited to be back. Thank you, everyone. Of uh, gosh, uh, everyone for, for everything. Uh, we won't do any large breakdown of our Star Wars celebration experience or uh, can travel to Paris. I, I spent some time in Nottingham and London. We both had adventures. Uh, this is my first day as we're recording uh, back home. Ken's been home for two days. We say that with great liberty as, you know, we've gained and lost time. We've time traveled. Uh, we're tired and gravelly, but we are happy to be here finally discussing this episode of The Mandalorian, Chapter 23, The Spies, written by John Favreau and Dave Filoni, directed by, I will insert some opinion, the great Rick Famayiwa. It is about 45 minutes of actual storytelling. We are going to get into it, but we do want to do a quick plug. We are aware that the Mandalorian Report is where we get more uh, ears and eyes because it's the hot Star Wars show that's happening right now. So we do want to do a quick plug. We're really working hard to build our Patreon. We have realized that is where we get the most support directly from our listeners. Uh, we are building to some new things. Uh, we're having this Indiana Jones in the Perilous podcast, podcast discussion of Indiana Jones. We're going to be building up to Dial of Destiny. We're doing all those episodes on Patreon. After Dial of Destiny comes out, those episodes will be available to the public. We've done our first episode. Uh, but on Monday, May 1st, on our Patreon, our discussion of this little film called Raiders of the Lost Ark will be out. Also, while we've been traveling, uh, many of you have generously joined the Patreons who are very, very close to a goal at $2,000 a month. Jennifer Landa is going to make a new YouTube series of what we basically describe as NPR on Star Wars. Jennifer is going to take these uh, old episodes, audio episodes she did for Force Center many, many years ago, and she's going to add some new bells and whistles, add some visuals. So they're going to be these series of visual documentaries on YouTube, and we're going to be able to make that happen. When we reach $2,000, we're very close. So if you can help us out and you're interested, go check out patreon.com slash Force Center. Uh, Ken, anything else to add to that? Uh, thank you to all of you uh, who have supported, continued support, and future supporters means a lot. And yeah, not going to break down uh, Star Wars Celebration. Uh, we had a going away episode from hotels in London last week. We'll probably recap some more of the new show, but a lot of fun. And yeah, travel, uh, sick, both of us uh, battling some illnesses as well, as uh, it happens when you're packed into uh, large spaces with a lot of people, um, regardless of the era. Or, or pandemics that are going around still. Uh, so anyways, we're back, we're ready, and uh, finally ready to break down this episode, which was a journey in itself to get to. 
Exactly. Yeah, I think uh, I think some of my worn out is like, oh man, I wonder how I got worn out. Well, is it perhaps from being up for about sixteen hours every day, <laughs> uh, walking miles and miles, and experiencing massive amounts of beautiful, important, uh, emotional things, and then sleeping for two to four hours every night? How did I get a little sick? Uh, I feel like the answer is in front of me, if I can find a way to see it. Uh, but we are going to talk a little bit about our, our experiences because we always like this uh, starting our discussion of the episode by talking about where we were at when we watched it. I think how we watch things does affect how we receive them. We had got the uh, the wristbands, the invitation at Star Wars Celebration. We were lucky enough to have press passes who were in the panel where they said, hey, come back with these wristbands and you can watch this episode early. And I really wanted to watch this episode with 5,000, 4,500 uh, screaming Mandalorian fans, uh, but that would have meant not exploring the town with our partners. So we chose to wait. Uh, Ken, when did you finally get around to watching Chapter 23, <laughs> The Spies? After yeah, uh, turning down the, the, the chance to go to the, the show, uh, hearing all of our friends not spoil it, but talk about it. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. And then muted, I muted The Mandalorian on all social media. Uh, went into a this bubble. Is the way- yeah. uh, and then uh, almost had it spoiled on a flight from uh, London to Paris. No, excuse me, Paris to London. Uh, Friday. <laughs> Sit down, and you know you, you have the guy right in front of you, and you can just see at the perfect angle because I'm in the middle seat and he's on the aisle, so I'm just staring at whatever he's doing. And he pulls out his, his cell phone and he starts watching it. And I almost yelled, you son of a bleep. Like, I, I, I tried so hard, so hard. And I kept looking over and I kept seeing things. And so I finally just, I just closed my eyes, put on some music and avoided the rest of it. And he just stopped watching at one point. Um, and uh, finally got home and then and, 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 uh, unpacked. And then and there was a moment Grace was like, I, you know, I'm going to go take a bath and just relax. I said, oh, I, I can watch Mando. I can watch Mando. So Friday night I did. I fell asleep in the middle of it, but then finished the episode after I woke up. So there you go. Took me, I don't know, seemed like a week. And do you feel like you're falling asleep was just travel exhaustion? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yes, there's some quieter moments in this episode, which I wasn't necessarily expecting, but but should have maybe with just what Mando does. And I think in those moments, I just was like drifting off, just drifting. Fight it, fight it. This is the way to stay awake. <laughs> uh, but I've, I've seen it you know, two more times since, so we're good to go. Yeah, well, that that is a fascinating journey to have to look away from from the tiny phone trying to get you <laughs> yeah. on the flight. Yeah. yeah, I well, I want to say thank you to everyone at Star Wars Celebration for not spoiling this. I kind of just embraced like they showed us uh, in that the panel and in the overflow room. So a lot of people had already seen uh, the teaser of the episode mm-hmm. with the revelation. Mm-hmm of the Imperial Shadow Council and Paleon and Thrawn and, uh, and, and I was almost going to say, and Gleason, Hux, <laughs> the Hux slash Gleason <laughs> family yeah. conspiracy. Yeah. Uh, so everybody knew about that and was talking about that, but I was just, there's a part of me when, when we couldn't go to it, I was just like, well, it's going to get spoiled and that's a fine price to pay for all the other wonders that we're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no one did. No one. In our, our, I didn't even overhear it in a line. Uh, for anything, I didn't overhear it. Getting beers or buying action figures, nothing. Uh, I asked our, our friend Alex Damon about it, about his reaction, what it was like to see it with people, and he was like, "Well, it's a, it's a, it was a perfect episode to see with people." It's like mm. great, and he said, "Here's the deal: if you really like The Mandalorian, the show, it's got a little bit of everything that you love about The Mandalorian." So that was what I went 
into it with no spoilers, just that, like, what mm-hmm. does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really determined to, to have my, my standard experience, but to have it, you know, in a different part of the world, uh, I'm used to the midnight experience. We talk about the midnight experience and I tried to prepare myself so I could have my normal ritual of like a drink and an action figure. I had picked up a, a Bo-Katan at Star Wars Celebration because I just, I, I'm loving the character much more as we spend more time with her. Uh, and I wanted that figure to, to have the figure, but I also wanted it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> for for my Mando viewing uh, ritual. Uh, so I was at that point in Nottingham in an incredibly cozy little cave-like hotel room, just super cozy, loved it. Uh, and I had a cup of coffee instead of a whiskey because it was 8 a.m. I had a cup of coffee. I had Bo-Katan. Uh, I had my iPad that I had to update to make Disney Plus work on it. <laughs> but yeah. it was just this sort of perfect ideal experience of like this is the same as my normal experience and yet you know literally the the other half the other side of the day um so sarah and i watched it together and and it was great to be able she doesn't normally watch it with me the first time Mm because it's a midnight experience but an 8 a.m spirits and experience in nottingham she got up and we had our coffee and we we laughed and we cheered and you know i i was really affected by imagining watching it with thousands of people yeah. Um, yeah. And then normally for me at midnight, you know, I watch it and then I sit on my couch and I think about it and I write up kind of notes about the big picture ideas. And then the next day I'll, you know, write down all the details and canon investigation and all that. And I just watched it and, and it just washed over me because the next thing that I needed to do is go on a tour of caves under Nottingham <laughs> and then visit some of my own ancestors in a graveyard. So it, this episode was a great setup for both of the things I did that day. Uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. All I had to do was go to the Eiffel Tower. So maybe that's why I missed it. There you go. <laughs> no, it was just, I wanted to, I wanted to build it in. Cause I also, I didn't want to have your experience of like, Oh, I'm, I feel so far away from my real life. I'm in yeah. a cave in Nottingham. And there was a dude on the tour with me with the Boba Fett shirt. So I feel like if I didn't, that guy could have been like, yeah. And then Paz Vizsla dies. Like, I don't, <laughs> yeah. don't want to be spoiled for the Mandalorian <laughs> underground in Nottingham under a yeah. pub. Under a 400-year-old pub, you know? Yeah, it's possible. Could have happened. Could have happened. Could have happened. Could have happened. So we'll see how those uh, various experiences color our overall reaction as we get into that. What was your overall reaction to the episode? Did you love it, like it, struggle with it? Where'd you go? Yeah, no, I absolutely love this episode. And what fun. And I think that description of of everything that's come before in in The Mandalorian, everything that the show has done the creatures, the tone poetry, the high serial adventure, and of course the the action. It, it absolutely is all present and therefore it's been a very fun episode to watch. I do want to admit, and I, I've already admitted one thing, I fell asleep during my first viewing. Uh, I did suffer a little bit of the the overhype train where mm-hmm. everyone in the world was saying this is the greatest episode of Mandalorian ever. And I had already seen the opening, right? Which was probably would have been that big giant, oh my God, Paleon and Throne. That had already, I'd experienced that. And the rest of it, I was like, uh, all right. Okay. And it ended. I was like, that was fun. I'd rather watch the believer again. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather watch, uh, other, you know, chapter two, uh, than this one again. And so I had, a, I had a, you know, and that just sometimes happens where you're like, God, I loved that. You all loved it. I, I didn't hit me as, in the same way. Uh, but on, on the, on the sec- second and third viewing, what I'm really enjoying, and this goes into an overall conversation about stuff coming out of Star Wars Celebration, this era of the new Republic that we're in, um, mm. 
I'm so here for it. And, and I had to remind myself, because I, you know what I did? It was really weird. I looked at all the episodes, titles on Disney Plus mm. uh, this morning before I recorded and before I watched the episode a third time and did my notes. I watched all the other, I just looked at the titles. Like, what got us here? And I remember there's some stuff early on was like, I love what the show's doing. Lone Wolf and Cub, all that kind of stuff. But you remember, Joseph, I was even good. This is why I like Carson Teva so much. Of, mm -hmm. of, is he the only one going, what's going on here? And, <laughs> and, and the, that comes from, I, I felt the first, especially the first season of Mandalorian was so good, but it felt like it was its own thing and that it was not connected to any other parts of Star Wars. And I don't mean connected like a lot of other, you know, a YouTube Easter egg connection video. Just like, it felt like everyone was over here doing, and like nev they've never heard of Han or Leia. Or mm -hmm. <laughs> and slowly the show's changed that. And, and this is intentional. Filoni and Favreau have had a lot of interviews given over the last couple of days and weeks about, hey, this is what we're doing. Yes, it's not. And Rick Family is saying, it's not just the, the Mandalorian isn't just dead anymore. And it, it, it's it's a question more than anything about who, who is it about and what is it about and and I and I had to, I pull back and 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 disconnect from any overhype disconnected from any uh, any misgivings I might have and 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 was like oh yeah you know what this episode is fully entrenched in this new era of storytelling that we've wanted to hear about for a long time right mm -hmm. the, the Force Awakens comes out and we're like how do we get here and 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 we're getting those answers and that's what's getting me excited. Uh, particularly coming out of this episode, even more going into it. I, I love what you're saying. And I almost always go back to this weird, specific Lucas quote uh, uh, from some behind the scenes of, of Revenge of the Sith that just stuck with me because it was the first time I heard sort of like the creator, George Lucas, just put it into words. It, it, this is, this is a, a weird jump, but it's my honest jump is he's talking about the development of uh, Utapau as a planet. And like mm -hmm. they live in sinkholes. What kind of people would live in sinkholes? How would that change their culture? He's like, I'm all about the sort of the cultural anthropology every time we create something. And, and like in a lot of the movies and a lot of the, the big epic Skywalker sagas, it, it, it's, we're zeroed in on individuals as we must be. But there's such interest in cultures. How do different groups of people become who they are? are mm -hmm. uh how, how is that tied to the environment how is that tied to how they relate to the rest of the galaxy what traditions define them versus uh hold them back because they're not willing to change like all these big ideas that lucas is interested in they're, they're at the heart of star wars they're at the one of the things that makes uh, star wars such great tip of the iceberg storytelling we just see a little bit of something and go like but there's so much there and then in the clone wars in rebels and animated series there there was an ability to dive into that you know but i look at an episode like this and like ah, this this is what lucas has always wanted now we're really getting into it we're getting into all of these different yeah. cultures and societies and how they define themselves and how they work together and how they become who they are and and can uh the new republic pull it together you know in, yeah. in, in time to stop this threat you know yeah yeah, so a lot there. So, anyways, that was that was my overall thoughts. Uh, really love a lot, a lot of stuff to discuss here in, in a oh. packed episode. Yeah, a very, very packed episode. I think I I really loved it for a lot of reasons. Uh, I think one was that it is uh, getting to the heart of the question that we've been talking about all season. Um, and I think mm -hmm. in in parts of the season early on, as always, we respect a subjective experience. These are shows that we watch for fun, and if you're not enjoying it that's mm -hmm. there's your answer um but there was lots of question of like where's this all going and i and i think we and in many other people were, were talking about 
it's this question of can the Mandalorians come together? The shadow of Gideon has been in this since the first episode of the season and Gideon is going to try to crush them. Will they be strong enough together to survive the final purge where, where Gideon proves he's better than the Mandalorians? And I think that's what resonated with me so much is like, okay, that's where it's been heading and that is where we're going. And it's getting down to extremely practical, literal conversations and choices that are, can we bind together enough to, to face this existential threat to our existence? So I was happy that the show is, was getting, getting to the heart of it and it will make rewatching this season really enjoyable to watch all of the uh, sort of ingredients building up to, to the stew that's coming to a full boil this episode. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that this, this to me is, it's still about Mandalore. It's still about the Mandalorians. It's still about Moff Gideon's relationship to them, which is why, I I don't even want to say I've been grumpy about it, but like the, the throne of it all is this is is something else that we're going to learn more about, right? And and that's coming. But there's no Snoke answers here. Yeah, there's Project Necromancer. We're going to talk about that. All those kind of things. We've got a Hux, love that. Praetorian guys, love all that. Uh, this is about Gideon and them. And this mm-hmm. episode, that's one of the things I think this episode did so well, so well. It's him going, "Hey, the Mandalorians," and everyone everyone goes, "Ooh, wubba wubba wubba, Mandalorians." <laughs> <laughs> and, and Gideon, as he talks to the Shadow Council, who, which by the way, just they they look like video game cutscene villains from the '90s, and I love that. Felt like I was playing Red Alert, Con- Command and Conquer Red Alert too. Great, um, but uh, uh, it's it's very much about that, which is why I still I, I still will will or I will argue with people. I think I started to do a little bit when I got a little too drunk in celebration. Mandalorian season three is tremendously focused. It's not mm-hmm. focused. It's tremendously focused. Uh, this is what it's about. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and, and I think it making it on unignorable at this point. Um, yeah. I think there was something also just uh, tone and style wise that I really loved about this episode. I think it is. I think Rick Famuyiwa directs Star Wars in a way that highlights all of the ingredients. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's Favreau's script and it's Filoni's script. And I think they, they do that as well, that they w- want to have a little bit of everything. Um, but this episode reminded me of the child of the, the second episode of Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This was like the child in terms of what was included, but 10 times bigger, like yeah, unbelievable, unbelievably to me, successful, amazing comedy with the child, but meaningful comedy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Huge, cool action. But all of it just kind of having this sort of like um, this wry intelligence and wry humor to it that that made it feel uh, uh, relatable. It, it's this mm-hmm. mix of comedy, action, drama, uh, sort of real world stakes mixed with, frankly, almost not even almost over the top myth, you know, mm-hmm. um, that, that I think sometimes there's this great tension in star Wars where, where we get attached to the meaning of it, the depth of it or the coolness of it. And then, and then when a moment kind of knocks us out of it and, and pulls it back to like, it's a big myth with, you know, um, mm-hmm. heightened operatic villains who wear all black. And the, the only reason Moff Gideon is not twirling a mustache is because he hasn't found a mustache culture to steal their mustaches from yet. Mm. Uh, it, 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 <laughs> he is over the top. It is over the top. Yeah. And to me, there is like, there's a love of it of like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is Star Wars. You know, it's, it's yeah. easier for us to utterly, utterly fall into the depth 
in the importance of the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker mm-hmm. and forget, frankly, what somebody Rick Fumming, you was age experienced of Darth Vader with nothing but a new hope to go with of like, right. that guy stepped out of British Panto, like mm-hmm. not, not that comedic, but like he stepped out of opera. He's mm-hmm. heavy breathing, armored cloak guy who chokes people. <laughs> yeah. And he's got a laser sword, you know, like, yeah. And sometimes I think there can be like a, a, a fear of it. Cause that, is that fear? Is that too childlike? Is that, less than in any way and, mm. and i think there's an em, there's an embracing of like yeah that's what we're that's what we're doing you know mm-hmm. it isn't breaking bad it isn't the sopranos it's not succession it's not trying to be yeah. totally subtle real world stuff and or tackled a lot of that tone very successfully and people like it and mm-hmm. maybe people are going to get to a point where they don't like this tone but that's one of the things i liked about it of this was genre stew this was espionage thriller mad max hellscape uh jason and the argonauts shout out almost with a (laughs) bunch of you know uh siblings sibling warriors on a weird quest on a ship attacked by a giant monster heightened and operatic gideon is just a scene scenery chewing black clad big bad explaining why he's better and going to beat them all up (laughs) it's i i love it because it is what it is and it's owning it and loving it yeah there's there's actually a moment uh when he uh shows up uh at the end right when he and there's there's the biggest vaudevillian music cue i've heard in star wars in years (laughs) and i I noted that moment uh so i'm glad you brought uh, just the overall vibe up uh, yeah, and so, look, and sometimes uh, I, I I'm open with sometimes uh, the, the the big kind of broad style, so to speak. Though I, I, broad could be used uh, incorrectly, I think, to describe some of it. So maybe I'm wrong, but uh, just this, sometimes I rub up against it. Sometimes I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Why are they making those acting choices? Why are they doing that? It's so big. It's so big. But it's never wavered from that. And so either you're on board or, or or you live with it or you're not, right? And and I'm I'm definitely on board with it. And at the end of it, I had so much fun with this. Yeah, and I just think this episode was constructed in lots of ways to just go like, "Yep, mm-hmm. we're celebrating that." Star Wars doesn't always have to be that, uh, but we're celebrating yeah. it. You know? Yeah, yeah, it does not. But yeah. Um, two other real quick uh, overall uh, thoughts, and I want to get into the big ideas. Um, I, I know there was some, you know, uh, Rick Fleming U.S. had some stuff about it's it's about all Mandalorians now, and and, and while we were traveling, I saw just like a a headline. I didn't get a chance to read it, but it seemed really clickbaity. Of Rick Fleming U.S. says the show is Bo Katan's now. <laughs> like, is that what he said? I don't know. You know, uh, but I really do feel like this is one of those um. It's fine if you don't like it, but why resist what it is? Mm-hmm. Uh, is that it? It started at Lone Wolf and Cub, and the Mandalorian was was Din Djarin, and Din Djarin was carrying with him this whole idea of what does it mean to be a Mandalorian. Uh, but it's an ensemble show now, you know. Uh, it, it is. It, Bo-Katan is centered right now. It's not like Din doesn't have stuff going on, and Grogu doesn't have stuff going on. But for me, it's it's an ensemble show, and I'm fine with that. And I'm also totally understandable. If, it's understanding if people like I really liked it when it was focused on Lone Wolf and Cub, and mm-hmm. Din was the main character. And I don't enjoy this as much. I got no problem with that. Yeah. Um, but for me, in the way I process it, it's it's an ensemble show, and great. That's what the creators wanted to make, and I'm going to embrace that. 
Uh, yes. Yeah. That's, that's funny. That's almost word for word in some of my notes. <laughs> just like, <laughs> I get not liking it. I, I totally do. And there's some moments, but this is like a lot of shows, man. There's a lot of big shows. This is just the natural flow of things, right? Uh, you know, sometimes I, I miss just a couple of Starks sitting around a dinner table talking quietly. Instead, I got 15 houses fighting for a throne. Like, it, 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 I get it. And sometimes I miss the little intimate, quiet moments. But I think they still exist. They just exist with more people. So, yeah, never here to tell anyone, yeah, you got to be on board. Uh, I think, but I think you're, because, in fact, anything, I'm confirming it. You're right. You're right. The show's changed a bit. Um, mm-hmm. That's always been kind of the way because you, you you it's important about this this one guy this one lone gunslinger is now connected to something bigger because we all are so it's part of the lesson part of the journey part of the joy i get from it yeah part of the lesson is great yeah i'll, I'll share this real quick like uh, i knew celebration was was over when i literally landed and it's like oh, i'll check in on facebook and one of the first things i saw <laughs> was an acquaintance complaining about star wars like yeah it's over it's over <laughs> Uh, but in particular, and it's always everybody, I uh, want to be respectful of other people's opinions, but it was one of the, those, like, it seems like all this Star Wars, new Star Wars is the creators just trying to figure out what fans want. And mm-hmm. I, I just, I just struggle with that because my experiences as a creator is creators try to make something that they love and hope that if it resonates with them, it will resonate with others too. Mm-hmm. And I feel like anything about the Mandalorian that's, that's wonky and maybe, maybe you don't like. And even I think sometimes like, Oh, well, I got this little criticism structurally that could be, you know, clearer, or whatever, all that. It, it feels like it, it's, it's wonky and different <laughs> because mm-hmm. Favreau and Filoni are making what they want to make. And they yeah. wanted to do a show that starts small in micro and goes to the macro. And yeah. I think that's what we're talking about. And that's why I want to embrace it. I don't feel like it's this like, Hey, 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 what do you like? Some of this, some of this is like, this is what they like. And they want us to embrace it or not, you know? Yeah, exactly. Embrace it or not. Embrace it or not. Uh, uh, Final big picture thing that we'll, we'll talk about more in the comedy and more in the ideas, but the, the yes, 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 yes. Walking, walking down the street, the, the, the celebration of, of joy. Uh, my wife and I were in tears and for the rest of the trip, you know, we're, we're, we're exploring Nottingham and London and having extremely emotional, uh, things, um, from, from tourism to, but also to examining, you know, parts of our lives. Like, Hey, you like my ancestors in a graveyard and, uh, Sarah and I living in London, revisiting some of those things, like, like, Every time something really amazing happened, I was just like, yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, with it's going to be. Hmm. Go for it. That, 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 that sequence is it, it was my favorite thing of the show so far. <laughs> it really is. Next I level. So much. I loved it so much. Next level. Mm-hmm. So honest. So great. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's dive in. I, I held this up there with lots of overall thoughts, but let's dive into the big picture themes. The ideas at stake in this episode. How did you break it down? I broke it down like uh, like thoughts, like thoughts. Um, working together is the big thing I took from this, and a lot of what what was at play here for me, and also that involves things to trust, honor, and loyalty in a show that's about can the Mandalorians come together 
finally, after thousands of years, like I was affected. There was that great line from Dan of like, Hey, a thousand for thousands of years, we've been on the bridge of a you know, brink of extinction for a thousand years. We've survived whatever he exactly said, but I, I, that was an inspiring line. But also to me, that's one of those like, yeah, do you get it now? Do all you get it? <laughs> Bo-Katan's mm-hmm. trying to avoid that. And it's about working together. But then on the flip side, uh, you have, um, you have, you have you have a lot of that imagery for me of, of people trying to work together, can't they? The Shadow Council, the, the Empire remnants of, of video game cutscene villains uh, sitting there. Uh, they're the anti-rebels. This has been pointed out. You and I are doing this episode after long, long after other people's episodes have been released, discussing it. So I'm not saying anything new here. But it's uh, it reminded me of the the antithesis to good people will fight if we lead them, right? It's like mm-hmm. evil people will fight if we lead them, and they can't get it together. They're 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 backstabbing in front of each other. Yeah, we need new leadership. Yeah, well, you did this, you did that. They just can't get together, uh, and so the danger. It's like the first group that can work together wins in a way, which is scary, and there's some pressure behind it. Uh, and there's the need for both tribes to step up. You even get the imagery of, of Grogu working in conjunction with now IG-12. True, mm. even though IG-12 is, is uh, <clears throat> not living, so to speak. Um, he's got to wor- learn to work with this new thing and, and through that uh, find the balance, right? So balance being something pretty big in Star Wars. And in this mm. episode, it requires everyone's trust, honor, loyalty, sacrifice. There's that... The, there's the difference in rules that's literally down to how you play space chess. <laughs> you know, like I understand that. Like, you know, you know, Rochambeau, rock, paper, scissors, uh, rock, paper, scissors. My dad taught me that match was an option. And what? yeah. Right. Okay. Burn it all down. Right. And so I would go into the real world and, and be like, some, hey, people like it's rock, paper, scissors for it. Then I'd like throw a, a, a match out. They'd be like, what the hell is that? I'm like, well, you've never played with the match rule. And it start it would start many debates and fights. So I thought it was so great to break it down to a chess game in the middle of all this stuff. They're just like, how do we inter- let's play chess? The two people that hate each other the most, and 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 how you you based on what we came before. I, I watched episode six Friday night. Grace hadn't seen it yet. <clears throat> By the way, I love that episode more and more. Um, the stuff going on in, in episode six when Bombardier and the Dutch and everything it leads directly into this. Of mm-hmm. can, couldn't you all? Can't you all just come together? Can't you all do this? And and I just thought in an episode that had so much imagery of um, people or groups appearing to be threats, and and you don't quite know. Mando mm-hmm. privateers, they're flying over Navarro. Oh, it's an Imperial cruiser. No, they're they're friends. Welcome them. Survivor pirates sneak sailing up on you. Are they threats? Are they friends? The armorer, we don't trust her. Axe Woes, we don't trust him. Flying stormtroopers. Look, it's more Mandos. No, wait, it's stormtroopers. This episode focused on that. And how how do you how do you build trust from that? And how do you work together when when you know you just don't know? Threat, friend, foe you'll figure it out and you got to find a way forward through all that. No, I I think you're spot on. I think that's a great observation about the number of images of someone or something is, is coming. And there is like a real world, like, yeah, you should be, you should be cautious. You should be aware, Mm. but you shouldn't pre-decide on the horizon, you know, that that thing is a threat. And, and there's lots of moments of them like, yep, yep. Something's on the horizon. What's coming. Is it a threat or not? It's it's a, a great, uh, visual, mm-hmm. uh, not not poetry, but uh, repeating images. I yeah. think that's a great great call. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree that 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 big idea that they've been building 
is explicit in this episode, but there, there's also, I think, some some great nuances to it and that big idea of, yep, stronger together versus one true power. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is, it's the light side and the dark side. It's, you know, it's Luke saying to the, uh, you know, the Emperor and Luke trading barbs that Luke's faith in his friends is weakness and, uh, you know, the Emperor's mm-hmm. overconfidence is is his own. Like, for, for, for the dark side, mm-hmm. they have alliances for the moment because they need them and then once an individual amasses enough power yeah uh, the most powerful individual will will uh, you know subject everyone else to their their rule and i think starting the episode with that of like there's this rough allegiance with the imperial shadow council mm-hmm. <laughs> uh because it is needed but that we get all sorts of information. We get the reveal of Pelion. We get the reveal of Hawks. We get the the tease of what is Project Necromancer mm-hmm. uh, and all this this great and glorious stuff. But if you sort of strip all of that away, the the scene is about jockeying for position, right? Yeah, and that Gideon wants to control that, and mm-hmm. the, the, even the implication that that Pelion is using the shadow of Thrawn. <laughs> who may or may not be back we'll talk about uh obviously he is coming back but from their perspective like that's fun to talk about uh it's all about jockeying for position mm. it's not about actually working together right for yeah for mutual benefit it's they have to for now mm-hmm. um and i think there's more stuff that goes on with with gideon that is about this uh, obsession of wanting to be the singular power as opposed to being able to share power or draw strength from being together, all those things. And I think uh, a great part of this is, is just sort of the, the plot level where we, where we actually end up in this episode is by the, by the climax of this episode, we have arguably three tribes of Mandalorians, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got the children of the watch. We, we've got uh, Bo-Katan's sort of night owl group, but then we meet these r- ragged survivors Mm-hmm. Uh, so at this point, we're, we're traveling with with three groups of Mandalorians whose uh, perspective on what it means to be a Mandalorian isn't just philosophical. It's shaped by experience. They all literally had massively different life experiences, including like where mm-hmm. they grew up, you know, and, yep. and they share that of like, oh, like Paz Vizsla looking down on the shattered city and going, uh, I didn't realize it was that bad. And the other Mandalorian being like, I was there. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then these, these ragged ass, excuse me, a yeah. pirate <laughs> Mandalorians being like, oh, we, we, we've been eating glass for five to seven, whatever the canon timeline is. <laughs> we've been living on hope and, and dead yeah. varmints, you know, yeah. uh, teeth are falling out, like slightly different life experience, you know? Yeah. Have you ever had shattered glass omelets for breakfast? I bet you haven't. <laughs> Is that the way? Is that your way? That's our way. And, um, and by the way, I want John Favreau to make the next Pirates of the Caribbean movie because he, clearly he loves pirates and pirates. <laughs> Privateers. Yeah. Uh, so three different groups, different experiences, traveling to the ancient forge, the heart of their mm-hmm. civilization, the thing that connects them, brings them together. A forge is literally uh, a melting pot of bringing things together. And and is Armor talked about you know getting rid of the impurities so that it can be stronger, and all of that has been seized by one selfish zealot who thinks he should own other people's cultures. Yeah, I, 
it, that it's it's explicit but powerful um and i think i think the dialogue is is quite explicit throughout this episode from gideon's disbelief of this cannot be those two factions are sworn enemies and mm-hmm. it's you know bo-katan and din's first line of i hope these two groups get along they've never met and what little they know about one another they hate uh, bo-katan could have thrown in there and they and they play space monopoly real different um <laughs> And and uh, Din says, uh, you know, they will get along if they want to survive. Um, it is always our own division that destroys us. Uh, yeah. Even the, this new bit of information we finally get about the Death Watch is that the armor says the Death Watch exists no longer. It's shattered into many warring factions. So this mm. this these stakes of the Mandalorians are warriors. Mm. Uh, their creed might be loyalty uh, and honor in unity but by definition a warrior asserts themselves and that makes it hard to to cross the line and keep stronger together as your number one priority and what i really liked about the episode and want to hear your thoughts on is i feel like the episode was raising that question of it is harder to be stronger together Mm -hmm. um so how how are we explicitly seeing this these tattered groups of Mandalorians overcome the challenges of being stronger together. And I feel like what we saw is we saw the power of community, like literally sharing, sharing food, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw it, communication, uh, sharing a frightening truth so that other people can actually understand where we're coming from. I think we saw the power of the next generation in Grogu offering a different perspective. I think we saw mm-hmm. the power of uniting in common goals of like, well, we might, we might disagree about mm-hmm. space Rochambeau. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when it, but let's not get distracted about dumb bleep like that. Mm-hmm. What is a big picture? What do we need? So the common goals, I thought, I thought there was evidence of, it wasn't just that sort of like stronger together. You're right. You know, you have my sword, you have my right. flamethrower. Um, it was here are explicit things they are doing that are not easy right. to try to build towards stronger together. What are your thoughts or feelings on, on seeing explicit ways in which they made, tried to make this happen? Yeah. I think in a season, uh, particularly, I was going to say a show, but particularly a, a season that is, it is about, trauma recovery but it's also about mm. trauma recovery on a large scale right uh, when, when 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 you go through something um i don't know maybe we as a world have gone through something recently let's just say that and and <laughs> and yes you're right you know put aside our differences and come together that works i think that works until you're sitting down to play a game or have a meal mm-hmm. and why do you do that what is that uh, you know, you put that on your toast. No way. Like that's the little things that start to break us down in the face of the big thing. So I think it is important. Uh, I, I really love the highlighted that the, the younger generation in this case, 50 plus year old Grogu, um, <laughs> you know, using his, his new ability, so to speak to, to mm-hmm. be the one. Cause he, cause there's that great moment to, to your, to your thing of like, how do you, how do, how do you make this work? They're fighting. Um, they're fighting like dummies over a board game, but it's real. And mm-hmm. Axe, you know, Axe is not looking at to be the nicest of guys right now. Says a, says a disparaging remark. And there's that moment with Dan and, 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 and Catan. Oh, Catan. You know, should I do something? You can't. None of us can. Well, Grogu's like, nuts to your rules. I'm, I'm, I'm the balance of all of you here right now. 
I will. I'm not going to listen to Kant. I'm going to, I'm going to do this to move us forward. And, and, and in, in the face of, of someone like Gideon, who not unlike any other dark side character, uh, dark side, just meaning the bad side, whatever you want to say, saying, all right, great. Great. You, you, y'all, y'all think you want to come together. Isn't that cute? Well, I got you together. It's a trap. Thanks, Din. I'm going to use your community against you. That just makes it all harder. Makes it harder for all of us to come together uh, until you sit down and have this moment. Say, hey, you know, I just, you and I both just went through some, some wonderful cultural exchange over the last mm-hmm. few days. And mine, yeah, admit mine first time on a big scale to experience that not on my, in my home stadium, so to speak. Right. I was in the visitors clubhouse the last few (laughs) weeks and to just to get the perspectives and, 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 and we came together. The the best moments I had were the quiet moments, not the big 5,000 people cheering in a, in a, uh, in a theater over one thing we love star Wars. It was sitting in a tattoo parlor going, Hey, here's a beer. Let's talk about things. So small moments, this episode highlighted the small moments that, that that's how we build together. Um, and then it all, becomes uh, forged by fire, literally at a forge, I think, um, when the big things are at stake. And can you can you stick together uh, based on your little connections? Trust, honesty. I love that honesty is a big thing. Vulnerability. Um, you can posture, you can puff up your puff up, uh, puff up your chest, and 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 say this is who I am, and this is the way. But uh, until someone can slowly say, no, nah, that's not true. Let me tell you the tell you the truth. I surrendered. This is what really happened. Let's put it all on the table and let's build from there. Those are the building blocks, uh, the true building blocks of change, I think. Um, I, I yeah. so agree. Yeah. yeah, no, I didn't mean to cut you off. Nope, no, I was, nope, I was, I was leading to a big finish I didn't have. So there you go. <laughs> but, it, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but it all leads to the face of Gideon um, using, and I love it. I love what you're saying is like, he, you know, he is, he's trying to take the Mandalorian culture, not be part of it down to even get some horns on his helmet. Like, what are you doing? You know, like, like, come on, come on. And um, how can you keep going through that? Yeah. Yeah. And it really, it, 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 I love you comparing it to traveling. And yeah, we were, we were both in different, you know, cultures for, for a couple of days. And, and in the grand scheme of things, not that different from the culture we know, it's almost more discovering those little things you didn't know that like, yes. Yeah. Things so, so are seem so similar. So then, when you stumble into something that is kind of different, you're like, "What? <laughs> it yeah. looks the same, you know, on the surface in in, in so many ways." Uh, I think that that's that's really powerful. You know, I, yeah. I I like I said, I went to Nottingham because my line of scrimshaws is from there, and and mm-hmm. I didn't really expect how much it was a. Uh, does it work this way? Am I from here? You know? And like, I didn't ever want to be like, walk up to somebody from Nottingham and go like, uh, I am of this city. Like <laughs> my ancestors were, but is there anything, you know, that comes from this city that came with them, yeah, you know, yeah. down, down to me and, and being able to like tell, you know, random people, like, not random people, but like people ask, you know, at stores and stuff like, why are you here? And like, well, yeah. here's this. And, and I kind of expected people to be like, bleep off you know yeah yeah great you know but people ask questions and we're we're welcoming you know mm-hmm. and, and shared uh, they'll, they'll share other stories but uh but uh it, it, it was great to have those those that communication for me to be openly honestly being able to say like here this is why i'm here and mm-hmm. to have people give their own perspective and response to that was was powerful yeah um yeah I, so i think one of the most powerful parts of this episode you were talking about is 
Bo-Katan is taking a massive risk by sharing her truth, right? Mm. There is, um, Cosca Reeves even tries to give her the little, the little shake her head. No, don't, don't, don't tell them the truth. Mm. Uh, I, I don't think that the armor is at this point, it doesn't feel like the story is on track for an armor betrayal. We can talk about mm-hmm. that more later, but to me, was sitting there watching it, it felt like, yeah, I don't think the armor is going to think that was honorable. Mm-hmm. to surrender i don't think surrender is like the armor has them hide to survive but is surrendering the dark saber like th- this is the same armor armor who told din that bo katan is a cautionary tale yeah of yeah. weakness um yeah and she projected weakness to the empire and then the empire saw that weakness and exploited it that's that's the cautionary tale we heard her tell right mm-hmm. uh so is is this you know, a danger for for Bo-Katan to express the armor is that gonna the these these poor raggedy uh, <laughs> Mandalorian privateers, right? They're like uh, we 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 fought for you and uh, waved your flag, and you did what? Like, yeah, yeah, it's a huge huge risk, and obviously it's it's you know a risk for Bo-Katan because she's ashamed of it. Yeah, uh, but but literally Din's lines afterwards are, I had no idea. We were taught that everyone but us had forsaken the way, that you were selfish and uncaring. Now I understand. Mm-hmm. Even if this, if Bo-Katan's confession causes some ripples down the line with other factions of Mandal- Mandalorians for this critical relationship between her and Din, Din is seeing all these things about her yeah. that look like the way to him, to his version of the way, the honor and loyalty and character and, and, and a Mandalorian who is salvation, not death, um, all those things. But he's got this in his head of like, but I was told you were awful. And by Bo-Katan taking the risk and sharing her truth, there's even deeper connection to Din and that pledging his loyalty to, to Lady uh, Kreese. You know? Yeah. Uh, uh, and I, I got to ask people who were there in that hall: Is it was that a round of uh, applause? Because it would have been for me if I was in the, in the hall. But but it all comes from taking that risk to communicate, uh, yeah, honestly. Well, it, it continues with, with the Bo-Katan of it all, and 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 that's so funny because that's uh, that that's if you're angry at a car, that's the moment you're like, it's not even his show anymore, uh, right? It, it, it's literally almost saying that like this is I'm plugged into something bigger you met me alone collecting a bounty in a bar and now i'm you know bending the knee so to speak to someone who i feel is not a rightful ruler but a rightful leader Mm -hmm. and and so much of of the bo-katan story in this uh, season to me and especially last two episodes are are stuff i really enjoyed she she wins the dark saber because of who she was you and i discussed that last week she didn't win it in a great battle she won it because she put herself on the line to save someone she was connected to. And actually at one point was not felt she wasn't connected to Din Djarin. That's how she gets the, the saber. But now she, you learn um, that, that she lost um, maybe her position of leadership and the weapon that is supposed to be a symbol of it. But again, being who she is, someone of compassion, someone of, I don't want to lead us all to death. Uh, we'll, we will fight like our, our culture teaches us to fight, but that's only going to end up, destroying us i've got to find a way to make us survive and i was hoodwinked there you know almost like it's not not our fault but you know what i mean like who she was so she's confessing this truth so so much about bo-katan confessing 
her truth and just being who she is, despite even what she feels about herself at times. And that's something that's for, for all of us to discover what's really beneath you, who you are is, is, is what's important to the story and, 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 and might be where you get your goals, not just simply acquiring a, a, a saber for your checklist, but who you are and who you are and what your actions are for other people. Yeah. I mean, and it's always the hardest thing for us, right. To, to, to share mm-hmm. is what we are ashamed of in ourselves yeah. and yeah. what we fear other people will judge us for. Uh, and for her to be able to express that and not have, you know, every other Mandalorian there flip the table. <laughs> and instead it leads to, to Din really seeing her and really complimenting her and, and yeah. giving her the support that she needs in that moment is, is that's an answer to, okay, stronger together. Isn't just a bumper sticker. It isn't yeah. just, yep. We, we all watch Sesame street once. We know the rules. <laughs> We're kind to each other. It's easy. It's not easy. It's incredibly difficult. And, yeah. and I think that's the argument that's being made. Um, and I think the, the the whole game thing was so great. It was it was funny as hell to me. And it also, it got to the heart of the what we talk about a lot on the show about Stronger Together um, mm-hmm. can be difficult because we are bombarded with messages of competition. And, and mm-hmm. as we've talked about on the show, like I'm not talking about sports. It's, it's organized competition. It's human, something humans like to do. We, we like to have list our favorites. Like mm-hmm. that, that's fine. But when seeing everything in life as a competition seeps into our bones and it gets us, I think to this level that, that, Everything in life is a dominance challenge. Did someone step in front of me? Well, mm-hmm. what are they trying to take from me, right? Uh, did somebody posted on, on Instagram that their life is going better than me. What are they trying to take from me, yeah. you know? In yeah. um, fighting over a game, it, it is the culture. It is the slightly different rules. It, it is everything coming to a head, but it's also just stripping everything back to a dominance challenge of this is meaningless. It doesn't matter but both acts and pause have to prove that they're dominant. Mm. And, uh, and, and that by itself is really powerful because I think it's the challenge to one of the many challenges to, to working together, stronger together. Um, and Grogu's intervention is so great because it is the next generation. It's, it, it's Grogu taking a risk. Um, but it's also a little bit about Grogu's heritage because I love Bo-Katan saying you taught your apprentice well. <laughs> yeah. uh, great laugh line of he didn't learn that from me and you want to stand up and scream. He learned that from Luke Skywalker in the Force. <laughs> yeah. And Yoda in the Jedi Temple and who knows, and maybe Terra Sanube and Keller and Beck, you know, like that, that, that comes from his culture. That comes from the Jedi. Not that other people can't do it, but that like, let's not, this is a pointless thing to, to, destroy one another over yeah yeah no i love that because that's, that's not the first time we've heard that right so far i didn't do that for me like i love that that it's it's highlighting not just what we saw with luke and grogu training but, but grogu's past and who he is yeah and, and then i think it was powerful that that after grogu's intervention uh, we see uh axe and pause work together a couple times they're the ones who grab grogu and, and lift him off the ship as the beast's tail is coming down mm-hmm. um and I, I, I freeze framed. I, I, I don't know if this is correct, but I'm pretty sure it is Axe who goes back to the fleet to warn them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Paz lays down covering fire so Axe can get back to the fleet. Yeah, get and, back to the fleet. 
Yeah, it's, or, it's pretty straightforward to Gideon. Or report to Gideon because spies will get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, like, is he just going to fly up and see that? Oh, oh, that's right. The armor took the ship. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah. 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 There are plenty of things to talk about with that uh, and, yeah. and yes. how that's all going to work out. But in spirit, it was Grogu stopped them from one or the other pointlessly dying or, or being horribly wounded or both in you know, Shakespearean tragedy. They both fall over with one another's knives in their throat for mm-hmm. what? And instead, they save Grogu. They work together to possibly make a huge difference and mm-hmm. warn the the Mandalorian fleet. Is it, it? It's a great little morality tale, just in and of itself. The the song of Axe and Paws. <laughs> Their song has been written, but yeah, right. <laughs> love that. Yeah, Paws' song came to a crescendo there. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we already talked about it, but I just really wanted to note how much Gideon wants to, in contrast to all of this this working together, in contrast to the the community and the truth and the next generation and all that, uh, just wants to be the one man Mandalorian. That, yeah. uh, that great line about how he's forged the next generation of Dark Trooper suit. And the most impressive improvement is that it has me in it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that was a big laugh yeah. in our house. Yep. All about him. And then he name checks the cultures that he's stolen from, the cloners, the Jedi, even Mandalorians. Mm -hmm. That is, you know, similar philosophy to what the original Death Watch with Pre Vizsla, you know, spouted of might makes right. But if if you can't defend what's yours, you deserve to have it taken. Mm -hmm. And in that way, I think Gideon is uh, representing this. Uh, other other view of what Mandalorian society can be when it is all about dominance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and also just the utter arrogance that he thinks he's the one true power, but he's also admitting that he's be- built all this power by stealing other people and cultures' greatness. Every yeah. he, he he seems to think he has some essential greatness because he is. Yeah. Gideon uh but his list of like what's giving him in power is like well I I'm, I'm cloning stuff from the Kaminoans I, I got something from Grogu's Jedi blood we'll we'll talk about that I'm wearing your armor using your forge uh mm-hmm. that's powerful if you want to if you want to play it out into the real world and how often do people claim evidence how how often have people claimed evidence of their greatness by the fact that they took the amazing things that other people built it's gideon exceptionalism is what it's <laughs> it really is it really is uh what are some other big picture ideas for you uh you know the biggest one left on the table uh, a lot of them just jumbled into one big action-packed sequence but you know we talked about sacrifice and yeah we got this great moment where we talk about it i'm sure in the action of of of, of pause um going out on a shield, so to speak. But I, I think that speaks to, uh, it's the final, it's, it's truly the working together. And this, and this is a powerful example of this is the way I think we've, we've heard that so much, right? It's certainly uh, um, mm-hmm. a catchphrase and cliche, shall we say? And a t-shirt. And a t-shirt and a good one uh, and a lot of fun. Um, but this is one of the more powerful uses of it. You get to see it in action. It made me think of the one, um, uh, Din Djarin said to Bogotan when he learned learned of her father, and mm-hmm. so to do that, it, it's mm-hmm. sac- it's sacrificing it's it's pride. Uh, your own will survive. Family now. Ragnar Vizlas, um, perhaps the, the last to have the house. <laughs> we'll mm-hmm. find out more about that. And it, it, it is a um, 
We've seen this before, right? The hero that goes down for the others. This is Boromir. In fact, there's even some some uh, Lord of the Rings imagery of of Paz pulling the Praetorian cards. Uh, it's what the orc does uh, to the mm. orc guy does uh, to um, the end of Fellowship. But um, it, it, to me, it's the final. This is this is what's at stake, and 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 this idea of sacrifice is a real. Um, it's a, it's a humble, uh, final act for, for if, if this is the way it's going to go. And so it's, it's, it's true heroism. That's, uh, honoring the connection that was built, which is why, mm-hmm. which is why if acts, we'll talk about the spy, the spy factor, but if, if acts is the, is the spy man, that, that, that would really hurt for, for Paz's death. I don't, I don't mean that in a critical sense, like take away from the moment in the story, I just mean for the legacy for in the story, gosh, that would be such a. Mm. Waste of that connection, and I would be, I would boo and hiss to you, Axe Wolves. Um, <laughs> boos and hisses to come. But you know what I mean? I don't know if that makes any sense. It's just we're talking about connection. We're talking about the trust and the honor and loyalty. And 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 and, and, and here's my truth, and here's who I am, foibles and all. And can we work together through all of this? And it leads to this moment of, of perhaps the toughest of the tough, um, who's been um, an adversary to Din, who's been an adversary to Bo, who's been an adversary to, to Axe. Basically, if you've met Oz, he hasn't liked you. And he's the one that says, this is the way. This is the way forward. Um, We survive like this is how I took it. Mm -hmm. If we all are willing to lay down uh, our lives for the others, for the greater cause, for the stronger together. So again, easy to say on a bumper sticker. Easy to do in a movie. I'll, I'll, I'll stay back. I'll jump on the grenade. Hard to do and powerful when done right. Yeah. Well, well said. And and I really do think that is what's at stake. Uh, I've been obsessed with the, this way of looking at the show, the choice of uh, who do the Mandalorians want to be that title being implicit from when it was mostly Din's story and he was the Mandalorian and he was our one view of the culture. And now it's spreading mm-hmm. out to all these Mandalorians and the entire covert of the children of the watch choosing what parts of the creed, do they truly want to invest meaning and support in? Mm-hmm. Um, and this idea that to me is inherent in that first season of when somebody looks up and sees Mandalorians, is it, do they tremble in fear at their might and the death they can deliver? Or do they rejoice because help is there? Salvation is there. Possibility is there. Neighbors are there. Um, mm-hmm. And I felt like there were a lot of images in this and there were some, uh, a lot of fist pumping moments of, of Mandalorians choosing to be the best version of themselves. A a weird bumper sticker way to say it, but that image of the Imperial light cruiser and the fear of the empire is here. uh, It really reminded me of Grogu looking up and seeing, seeing Din that first time and, and does, is that the last thing Grogu sees before he dies or or is it salvation is it a new father yeah. um, they're looking up and they're seeing death in the form of the imperial light cruiser but then that that mythosaur image was the first thing to be like I wish I saw this with a thousand people because I bet people cheered for the mythosaur image because mm. it, it's literally what we're talking about in this sort of Mandalorians are coming you look up and what do you see do you see the shadow of death or do you see something better Yeah, and the fact that it's this quote of like uh, the, the 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 droid is so frightened and and says oh that's not the empire that's Mandalorians like so they're on their our side then and grief cargo says hope so they're our welcome guests 
yeah. that you could look up and you could see the image of the mythosaur and it isn't <laughs> yeah. grab your children, hide your valuables. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go to your safety rooms. Mm. It's neighbors, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that, that idea of who do the Mandos want to be really continues throughout this episode of mm. Din commits to Bo-Katan because he sees in her what he values about being a Mandalorian. Right. We've talked a lot about the the children of the watch. Uh, you know, are they a cult? What is negative about them? I still think even if the show doesn't dive deeper and, and doesn't twist the knife more, I think I think my morality is it's wrong that the armor limited Din's view of the galaxy. Mm, yeah. um, that she didn't give him all the information so he could choose the way for himself. She just told him this is the way. Uh, there is a danger of rigidity. There is a a danger of beginning to worship violence. Uh, mm -hmm. all, all these things. But what Din keeps revealing to us is this is what being a Mandalorian means to me. It is character and loyalty and honor. And uh, you, you, great to point out, uh, Din celebrating Bo-Katan's father dying to save other Mandalorians, but even goes to Din in, in Book of Boba Fett when I don't think Din cares a whole hell of a lot about <laughs> uh, who, who's going to run Tatooine. Right. And Boba Fett's not even a true believer, uh, but, but Boba Fett's really, it was, I'm paraphrasing, but like, are you, we might die here. Are you, are you really not going to run? You're really going to, you told me you'd stay here and help and you're, you're really going to do it? And, and Din has a, this is the way. Yeah. There. For him, that is the way. Um, mm -hmm. And it, that is why he is committing to Bo-Katan, because he sees in her the best of what being a Mandalorian means to him. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and I also think it's there in Bo-Katan, in, in a lot of what, what Bo-Katan is doing. There's multiple ideas uh, of Mandalorians, um, acting with uh, uh, self-sacrifice and acting in the spirit of defense. I'm going to make a choice to save others, to help others. Uh, mm -hmm. That's why Bo-Katan surrendered the Darksaber. Yeah, I don't think, I think Bo-Katan felt ashamed to do that, right? Yeah. That is in affront to her honor as a warrior to bend mm -hmm. the knee and lay down the blade and to hand it over without even a fight. I think that was the revelation is I think a lot of us pictured mm -hmm. this you know, Moff, the Empire's laying waste to Mandalore and Moff Gideon fights his way into the throne room and Bo-Katan tries to fight him off, but but he wins and he takes the Darksaber and the idea that like, she handed it to him yeah, is a wound to her and a sacrifice that she made because, as she says, I didn't trust him, but it was the only chance to save our people. Mm -hmm. So that's a, a story in the past about, well, this is Mandalorian, the way is making sure that as many of us can live as possible. Uh, I thought it was powerful that Bo-Katan has the Darksaber, she's got Gideon right in front of her, and what she's expressed she's wanted in past episodes of The Mandalorian is to wreak vengeance upon him and to mm -hmm. prove her dominance by taking his head, right? Yeah. She's got a perfect moment there of the the, the great Star Wars uh save what you love, don't fight what you hate. And the fact that the first thing she she uses that saber for, that saber that's supposed to symbolize bringing everybody together, 
is not to rush out there and, and try to take him on and, and to try to prove her dominance and take his head. She uses it to give the Mandalorians a fighting chance to live. She chooses yeah. to save people with that dark saber. What are you, what do you think about that? I, well, I love that. I'll start there at the end with that. Um, it was great watching it the, the second time with grace. She, she yelled out like, lady use the sword. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and I had that moment too. It's, it's not quite um, where, where's the pulse rifle. <laughs> Right, <laughs> which, which I'm still like, where's the pulse rifle? Might help a bit here. Uh, loved, I'd love a documentary series on the where the pulse rifle go. But again, um, it's so Star Wars to me, right? In a series that's based, uh, one of the central moments of the of the series that you and I always talk about is Luke throwing down his lightsaber to to win and and sacrificing himself in the process. He didn't throw it down to to win. He threw it down to die, in in, in, in a way, you know, um, to in an effort to. And I don't even think in a way of like, if I, if I'm almost dead, my dad will save me. No, he, he, the end game was I'd rather die than become what you want me to become. And I think mm-hmm. there's a little bit of that going on here. Maybe a lot of that going on here with Bo. Um, the blade is out and I'm going to get it. I'm going to use that blade, this supposed symbol of leadership, this, this symbol of our society and our culture. I'm, I'm not going to use it to fight, fight to the death. I'm going to use it to get us out of here. Um, that's very powerful to me, very intentional. And I, for one, and I understand it might not be the expectations, but the, the, the clerical air of winning it from Bo or from Din, I, I'm mm-hmm. clearly behind, as we talked about. And, and, and this revelation of how she lost it, I think, is important, and especially for this blade that is, uh, you know, Excalibur to Mandalorians. Uh, what does it truly mean? Is it, is it power or is it our survival? Is it death or is it salvation, like you, you, you've pointed out? And that, mm-hmm. that, that goes to the blade as well. And I thought it was a great use of it. Yeah. When, when previously had it, you know, he claimed many Jedi had died on that blade and it was, it was, it was his power. It was death mm-hmm. and dominance, you know, and, and Bo-Katan's using it in a, in a different way now. I think that was great. And mm-hmm. I really echo everything that you said about Paz Vizsla. It was an epic act of sacrifice. It wasn't about, it wasn't almost every time we've seen Paz Vizsla act other than, you know, working to save his son Ragnar, mm-hmm. I guess. And, and, and he did, he did work together to save uh, Din from the bounty hunters guild and, and let him escape with Grogu. Yeah. So I won't be that hard on Paz, but what we've seen Paz <laughs> start a lot of fights over. Yeah. Yeah. Dominance crap, right? Yeah. I want that blade. Uh, why does Din get to be going out of here being the bounty hunter all the time? I want that blade. <laughs> yeah, you can't make that move in, in space darts, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, so to see him really, really to to see that contrast of Bo Katan of like all of us together, y- you are no less a Mandalorian to me. We've got it covered. Let's go. And for him to say, no, I really need to buy you a chance to survive. And yeah. knowing he's not going to make it, right? It would. Yeah. That was a that was a sacrifice. There was no doubt about it. Uh, no doubt about it. And look, I think there's a 2% window if he could have run back. So I'll talk to, you know, talk about that uh, some other time. But um, this is someone who's got the fighter submit vibe, like you said. Uh, it, it, either you win or you die type of mentality. And so he, it, it's weird in a good way. Like he, he, that, that man, that character, it's like, nah, I'm going to, I'm going to, by fighting, I'm submitting in a way to my enemy so others can go on. You know, others can take their wingman and jump and win the game. Um, I love yeah. That. Well, in, in, in his sort of surprise speech uh, in the previous episode, siding with Din mm-hmm. uh, about helping Navarro, 
he talks mm. about like we we've been hidden forever um and basically like mandalorians can be heroes and to me that goes to that death or salvation you look up and they're coming mm. and, you know the people in navarro look up looked up and and the mandalorians were salvation they were heroes they helped save the town and it, that seems to be a continuation of this great question of who do the mandalorians want to be and paz vizla on his best day wants to be a hero like i mm -hmm. i think i think in his helmet he was rocking uh david bowie's song <laughs> we can be heroes as he's fighting to the end uh, throwing people over cliffs you know uh, yeah. it, it was it was such a um a heroic choice of this is what i want you know mm -hmm. I, I want ragnar to know my song and i want this i, I don't want my song to be ah, i got stabbed in the throat fighting over, yeah. <laughs> over a board game it was I gave my life so other Mandalorians could live. Yeah. Yeah. We could be Mandos just for <laughs> one day. Yeah. yeah. Just for one day. Uh, final big thing, big picture thing for me is I, I think that there was this really interesting idea of agency in particular with, with Grogu. Mm -hmm. um, that this is an episode where there's a fun subversion on we're all debating what his first word was going to be. Does no count. Yeah. I'm almost there with it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Does plenty to argue about, but I think that that's a picture of agency that he has a voice literally. Um, yeah. He can communicate uh, his choice to be in that armor, even though, it's clear that Din was not entirely sure about it, but didn't 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 bring the uh, the the daddy hammer down. <laughs> he said he didn't like it, but it was yeah. Grogu's choice. Um, yeah. I really saw it as, you know, it's a it's a fun thing, it's a practical thing. As everybody has been saying, it it's going to generate some action figures, and I'm going to buy most of them. Yes, uh, but it also yes yes yes, but it also. Uh, <laughs> It, to me, it was part of his evolution this season of, of I don't think there's been a ton of focus on Grogu, but Grogu has been offered not just to be with Din, but to choose to be a Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. The armor said, basically, follow me in here. Listen to this magic hammer that makes you reflect yeah. <laughs> your trauma. Yeah. He's starting to look at a thing he doesn't want to look at. He's trying to babble. This is the way. He's choosing to be a Mandalorian, and I feel like this is his version of, I, I can't be in the armor yet, but this is my armor, mm -hmm. and, and that makes me a Mando, and he's choosing that. There's even that moment where, mm. fair enough, Din, Din says it for him, I'll go, and so will Grogu, but he drops his little meat and yeah. stands up he stands to up. be counted. He stands up to be counted. Yeah. Doesn't, it's, it, you know, he doesn't get that much taller, but he stands up to be counted. That's There's so much agency and then of course yeah. bringing his jedi culture and training to bear his perspective the you know the i'm gonna go up and make the rancor sleep because i you know i i see mm -hmm. things differently now that didn't learn that from me there's so much just agency in everything that grogu does that he's given the room to choose for himself and we're seeing his choices yeah no seeing grogu's choices play out their season is is is, is pretty much to me the central the story with him uh i would think right all along the way mm -hmm. leading up to this perfect moment yeah great action figures to come can't wait to see them and, and watch you buy them so that uh, <laughs> i can live through you on that um but yeah no i the, i think it all comes down to, to that the yes no and standing up for himself um beautiful stuff yeah and I, and I think that was for me some of the fist pumping and cheering moments in contrast to this this villainy that I, I talked about Moff Gideon's villainy being a little bit over the top in its presentation, which I like. And I also understand if some people struggle with, but within that 
there's there's an extra horror in this episode, an extra terrifying taking away of of agency. We we talked about him taking other people's cultures, but the way he wraps Din, right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the way he's you know bringing him to whatever interrogation, and we can talk about what we happen next. But just like everything hanging over that of is 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 he is Moff Gideon going to take Din's agency away by taking off his helmet, and it, it gets to me into this very real world evil, this very real horror of, mm. of taking away other people's agency. Mm. Yeah, no, uh, the, the imagery of it, um, of, of Din being wrapped up. I'm with you on that there too. Um, and, and as far as Gideon being over the top, yeah, I absolutely think he is like we talked about. And, and sometimes I want him to speak in shorter sentences, but uh, I, I think it's the point. I think it's the purpose of it there. Um He's he's uh, he he is uh, proud to be all evil. <laughs> he need it, it is it's a villainous thing to n- need other people to know that you are mm-hmm. quote unquote better than them, right? It's, yeah, it, yeah, it's something. Yeah. Uh, what if anything? Then do we make of this title? We talked about who could be a spy. Uh, how do you feel about that? I guess we'll see. Uh, I'll tell you what. The first time this episode ended, and again, I want to admit. Fell asleep halfway through. I did not miss the episode. I went back to the point that I, <laughs> I missed. But an episode ended, and I went, I go, why the bleep was it called the spies? There ain't no spies in that yet. So it's a wonderful game of mystery. Um, after I woke up and understood a little bit better, I, I think it, it is it is inviting you to wonder the best of ways. It's a it was it was uh, in some ways to me a great use of uh, great use of the title to really hang that over the entire episode for me. I thought it was really powerful because it, 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 to me, it makes you know pretty literal sense with with Kane, right? Mm-hmm. Of um, yeah, her being in the midst of the New Republic, and we've seen her already uh, twisting uh, Tuttle, uh, mm-hmm. Space Timothy Meadows around her finger, and and being able to undermine things and what she did to to Pershing, and what all is she up to, and how many are there like her? Yes, uh, undermining the good intention of the amnesty program yeah so i think there's that there was that question of this is literally about kane but also knowing that there's a shadow council and knowing wondering how many there are like her are there spies within the shadow council i don't think there's anything in the episode necessarily that is being really explicit about are there spies within the mandalorians but i kind of took it a little bit more is trust they need to come together to survive trust is so fragile mm-hmm. is there anything that's going to undermine that trust um mm-hmm. I, i'm right now i'm feeling like the armor is is being fairly sincere but i still have you know the, we cut to shots of her helmet just clearly taking in information and not responding and every time it makes me feel like well, yeah. that's got to piss her off this, I, <laughs> uh, yeah mm. Yeah, go go for it. Well, yeah, to pull out like a, a whiteboard and start writing down spy points, right, uh, on who it might be. I think I think this episode plays with that. And, and by the way, I love you. It, it does start with Kane, uh, and that and that's why this whole uh, it hangs over all, all the episode of, of who can you trust, right? It really sets it up. And we know we can't mm-hmm. trust her. We 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 learned that. I mean, I think even during that that episode, we all kind of felt Pershing, don't pen, Doctor Pen Pershing, leave her, walk away, <laughs> um, go hang out at Dexter's de- diner. The, the the there's there's so much evidence for all of them. Well played, Favreau, Filoni, and Femia. Um, 
But the I keep going to the armor. But uh, uh, time out. Let me. I think Axe Wolves is the spy. So I'll put my money down. Okay. Okay. Um, that's what I think. But the armor, the way it's played, it, it, I have all these questions because of what you just said. How does this person, this 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 woman here in charge that we've known since from the start of the show, she's she's turned on a dime to like, you know what, Bo, take your helmet off. You know what? We have to do this. Let me clink my hammers. I got the talking. I got both the, the talking hammer and the talking plier. We need to come together. <laughs> and it's possible for people to do that. And it's possible. It, it takes a leap of faith from me to believe them, but you got to trust them until they say otherwise. So I'm trusting her until she says otherwise. Um, she's great in a fight, but I know she didn't carry much into it. And I know she's got the, I don't know if she's got the pliers and the hammers hanging on the back of her belt, but I'll take the injured, uh, you know, um, up, up back up. It's that's good for us. That makes him stronger for the bigger fight. It makes him stronger to help take back Mandalore. So it's all good, but you're so right. There's a lot of blank stares on a mask that has, you know, a built-in blank stare to it, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of, uh, Emily Swallow seems to be playing it as, uh, I'm just going to sit and watch this. And I'm just going to let this play out. Yeah. Let it play out. And so that's why I think there's reasonable doubt to all these candidates. I, I think you know, the, the, the survivors, obviously there's a lot of, you know, Oh, you want to go to the forge? Oh yeah. We'll take you right there. So you've either been there, you know where it is. Have you not gone down? Have you not seen the base that's buried deep down inside? I don't know. Um, they're, they're, they're suspect, but to me, I don't know. There's something that yeah. seems so weak and, and a thirst for power. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, and 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 where was he when the Imperial Light Cruiser was stolen? Well, what was he doing? What were you doing? Yeah, yeah. That's, right. that's right, that's right, right. Yeah, I I think the, that's a possibility. I think that it, it that um, there was such a great tension when the armor was going back up to the ship. You know, you're waiting for the dime <laughs> to drop on the the terror that is encountering them and. You, yeah. My wife and I were like, eh, great, great tension. Because to me, I expected, I didn't realize that. I thought it was a great surprise that that uh, Gideon has so disgustingly usurped their culture that he's living, that his yeah. base is in the, the heart of their civilization. It's like, yeah. Gideon, get your own life. <laughs> um, but before knowing that, there, there are long, tense shots of the armor slowly making that trip. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. for me, there was the tension of, oh, is is Gideon's fleet going to pop in or is she going to emerge from the clouds and the Mandalorian fleet is already destroyed? The episode is clearly setting up the stakes of, no, they got to warn them before all, all those interceptors and bombers get up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's also the like, is, is it the armor like happily being like uh, Bo-Katan Bo- stronger than I thought? This is yeah. what needs to happen. I'm happy to play the essential role of caregiver or is there yeah a reason that she's slipping away i i'm feeling right now like the the storytelling is simply that she changed her mind and realized that Mm. in order to live they needed to bend a little bit um to me it's already bending in their culture that they've been they've been hiding and Mm -hmm. that the way is hiding that's not Normally, the Mandalorians, I think, from her perspective, are conquerors. Yeah, uh, they shouldn't have to hide, but they will to survive. The to me, it it, it uh, works with her perspective that she's had throughout the show of anything to survive. Mandalorian survival is more important than anything. Mm-hmm. But I also agree with you that it still feels like a, a some tension, which is like some some somebody give the armor the 
her own talking hammer and spill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you feel? How, how much are you, how much of it sacrifices it for you? Yeah, to to change your mind about Bo-Katan? Yeah, this goes to you and I've said before of like, hey, give us some, give us that uh, sit down conversation between Bo-Katan and the armor. They got a lot to discuss and a lot to work uh, work through, and uh, we might not get that because it just might be the armor's showing in her actions that no, I'm with you, I'm on board. But but uh, yeah, so maybe it speaks to my nature that I just can't trust her yet. So. Yeah, maybe. But- <laughs> And maybe she won't make it. Uh, We will talk about that a little bit more. Any other big picture ideas before we take a quick break? Uh, No, not at all. All right. We're going to take a quick gravelly-throated break, and we'll be back to continue discussing Chapter 23, The Spies. Who are they? We don't know. Back in a moment. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And we are back to continue our discussion of Chapter 23 of The Mandalorian, The Spies. There was a lot of canon lore stuff, so we are going to dive into that. I think... And the biggest thing is probably all of the, you know, Imperial remnant clarity a lot. and how that sets up where Star Wars storytelling might be going in Ahsoka in this newly announced film mm. uh, that Dave Filoni is doing, which is the, the New Republic's big confrontation with uh, a strong Imperial remnant. That's what we know. We've uh, I think we've all spun out and made lots of guesses and assumptions. Mm hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Some of them already been pushed back on in the press, right? About it. Nobody said it was an Avengers style meetup, uh, yeah. but some of us are going to that. But the questions about what this might be, all of it uh, is sort of set up in, in this scene, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a pretty impressive scene. And we, again, we saw it celebration and uh, I'm excited for the Paleon appearance um, after only hearing him previously in Rebels. But I, I was really excited for Brendel Hux. <laughs> Just that was my moment. I was like, we're one step closer to race love. Yeah, we are doing it. Yeah. So these are the the, the talking points that I want to make sure we go over. Let's start with Pelion and the Shadow of mm-hmm. Thrawn. Uh, the name Pelion is uh, deep in my soul from when I read those books a long time ago. I admit I do not have a deep relationship to to the character, but uh, mm-hmm. sitting in that hall, I was feeding off the joy of others, like a little joy vampire at Paleon. And uh, I admit it took me a couple of viewings before I noticed that the holy bleep, that Xander Berkeley uh, playing Pelion. So mm. I personally hope for a lot more Pelion because I love Xander Berkeley. He's in the first couple seasons of uh, 24, which is a show uh, I really like and have uh, rewatched multiple times. He was played a great spineless mm. jerk of a character in The Walking Dead. And he's just one of those character actors of like, if there's a movie where Xander Berkeley orders a, a cappuccino, the movie's going to be about 10% better because he's just that great of a wry, sarcastic, uh, clever character actor. I love Xander Berkeley, so I'm hoping for a lot more Paleon. Uh, yeah, I, I think we're going to get that. Uh, you, I don't think you cast for that, right? Uh, for that one little shot, and I'm excited for more. I thought he was great. great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you so this in this scene in in this episode of The Mandalorian where Gideon's kind of poking about like you keep you keep saying Thrawn's gonna come back? There was a sort of a Thrawn is Snuffleupagus vibe <laughs> from back in the day when Sesame Street did the did the weird thing where there was a creature that only some people could see and mm-hmm. other children couldn't. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> how do you feel about? obviously we know that Thrawn does live. Thrawn is coming back. We saw his, we were lucky to see his face in that exclusive clip on the Ahsoka panel. He's coming back. Uh, But from Gideon and the rest of the Shadow Council's perspective, do you think Thrawn is actually around or is is Paleon just really bluffing? 
to keep his power in this group? That's a great question. I, I think there's a little bit of, I think I took it as a little bit of bluff in a sense of, 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 of pull, playing out the string a little bit or pulling out the string. I should say to just like, Hey, 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 yeah, he, he's uh, Oh, he, he just took a lunch break. You just missed him. A little bit of that energy, which means we're going to get some great storytelling filling that in for me. I, I, I don't think Thrawn doesn't strike me as the type that would be like, just keep telling him I'm coming. And he's one that will show up. <laughs> he's one that if, if it's on the schedule, he'll be at the meeting. He'll talk to you. Yeah. Uh, which makes me hungry for some Gideon and Thrawn conversations perhaps later on. Um, but that's kind of where I took it at. There's a little bit of... Uh, Behind that m- blustery mustache, there's a little bit of payload going, ah, bleep. They, they're asking for him <laughs> again. They might want, oh, now they want to change leadership. I, that's the way I took it. I think it's open to interpretation, of course. But that's where I went with it. Yeah, I took it as whatever happened to Thrawn after the the Purgles got him and, and he went to Purgletory or Purgletown or wherever he went, that there were there's a price to pay um, in, yes, yes. in recovering him in his health, in whatever he went through, in that maybe he's on the ship, but he's he's not in good shape. Um, mm-hmm. Or Pelion knows where he is, but he hasn't fully located him yet. It, it felt to me like Pelion using his name. That Pelion's a true believer and wants yeah. Thrawn to be in charge, but but that there's a reason that Thrawn's, you know... Yeah, I don't think, he, <laughs> I don't think he's back in his dressing room like he's the Rolling Stones going... Let him wait another half an hour and they'll be more excited to see us. I don't think he's doing that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's doing that either. And, and there's there's some power in place. There's some clearly some equipment in place. There's clearly this uh, unknown regions remnant that's uh, doing pretty well for themselves. They, they got enough tie receptors and bombers to send out. Um, so I was fascinated by that. And and, uh, and it made me think exactly, exactly what you're talking about is, is, you know, as we start to get more of the, the Thrawn in this canon era, uh, storytelling of, of of after that and where you know he and Ezra went to and all that stuff. I I, I do believe you know, we'll get some of that, if not all of it, soon in the in the Soka show. But that I want there to be a price for what happened. You know, not just because I'm rooting mm-hmm. against Thrawn, but just like I hope he doesn't land on his feet, tip a tip a pergle for the ride, and start a armada. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was certainly like moved off the board successfully enough that he didn't come back during the Galactic Civil War mm-hmm. and, and neither did Ezra, right? When they had every reason to. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so speaking of moving off the board uh, to perhaps the unknown regions, uh, we got Commandant Brendel Hux yeah. uh, uh, played by uh, a Gleason, mm-hmm. uh, much like Donald. Uh, Brian. Uh, Brian Gleason, Donald's brother, right? Yeah, Brian Gleason, indeed, yeah. Awesome. Uh, I was really thrilled by that because I I love the character of Armitage Hux. I love the character of Brendel Hux, uh, some major canon, if they don't uh, alter it further. Uh, to quote <laughs> Vader, is uh, talking about deals in, in Star Wars canon. There's a bunch in that Phasma book, yes. if I'm remembering correctly, with uh, Brendel Hux and how he meets his end. Yes. So, it was pretty cool to see the actual character and also to feel like this was a character that is a uh, not just a fun pop-up cameo, but knowing all this kind of storytelling that's coming was also, yes, putting a, a chess piece on the board of storytelling. Uh, I want to talk about Project Necromancer, but I first just want to get your your Hux feelings. 
I, I love it. There, and, and you know, I'm just going to put put it on the on the board here of just like this is some sequel love, <laughs> and, and, and yeah. I know that's that. Uh, I don't necessarily think you and I go directly at that as much, but but this is uh, with the Praetorian Guards and this. There's this, some sequel love going on, and uh, you know, sorry, not sorry if that upsets some folks out there. It's just the way it is, and these are characters that exist. And and there's an interview. Uh, with IGN, with Filoni and Favreau, uh, I think you all should check out. I just caught up to it because, you know, again, when you're at Celebration, you actually miss most of the news and interviews coming out of Celebration. <laughs> and I finally sat down watching it and it's just, we heard some of the stuff before, but Filoni's got this thing where it's like, I got this big whiteboard and and I'm updating things and I have postcards, uh, you know, or, 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 you know, note cards and I move them around and and this includes all of the stuff going on, all the pieces of canon, so to speak of where can go with this and, and Favreau will come in and go, Hey, I got this idea. Well, okay, that can go here. Uh, that, that, that contradicts this. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit of, of this interview, but that made me really excited and that Dave respects it all enough. And everyone around this show respects it all enough to be like, Hey, we've got some pieces in place. Yes, we might move them. You're right. Uh, some of the exact details of Brendel Hux, by the way, other than this, a Gleason playing him and he sounds like him. I didn't, it's not how I envisioned Brendel Hux to look. He's described mm. a little bit more of a, not well-dressed empire, uh, imperial figure, I should say. And mm-hmm. um, so they're already not cha- drastically changing it, you know, but like it's a little different vision of them. But uh, I'm, ex- I'm excited about it because we've had this kind of untouched, un, you know, you know uh, unexplored, not just unknown regions, but in the storytelling where you've heard Chuck Wendig say, oh, I put a lot of Luke stuff in Aftermath. They told me to take it out. And there's a lot of, hey, how did Snoke come into power was a question before we knew even Palpatine was out there still, that kind of stuff. That was all possible. But there's so many wonderful questions that I've had. And I know a lot of sequel era fans have and a lot of Star Wars fans have. And this felt like a big, like, again, I'm never here for answers. I don't want a checklist. But it's just like, oh, there's some, this is where I started getting really excited when I said the top of the show of, I'm at times I'm not that I'm not the biggest Thrawn fan. I have some issues with Air to Empire, but I know I'm I blah blah blah. I've had said it so many times. But then I was just like, ah oh, man, but we are in the this is an era of Star Wars mm-hmm. storytelling. We are now gonna start exploring. And 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 this is a key component. Hux, Brendel Hux, Ray Sloan, Gallius Rax and his Shadow Council, all that kind of stuff. Um, we might start hearing more than those names. We might start seeing it in action, and I'm excited about that. Me too. Like I love the idea of the the Hux family that Armitage is the the scion who is sort of raised uh, obsessed with this version of the empire that mm-hmm. he's too young to have actually experienced himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think one of the great things about the sequel trilogy is is all, the number of characters who are everyone is reckoning with the past. In in, in my opinion, that that's mm-hmm. the one of the main points of the sequel trilogy. And some of that is explicit with Kylo hating it and trying to find a, a way to kill the past, which you can't. And uh, Ray being afraid to even leave the planet, but finding a way to move forward. Mm-hmm. I, I could go on and on about how all, all the different major characters that, that they all face the past and they choose to, you know, grow and move, take it with them and move forward forward into the future or, or they let their obsession with the past just rot them and destroy them. Mm. Uh, and, and Hux is, is one of those is like, he's loyal to a past that he never really experienced because if the book canon remains, you know, intact is because of his abusive father indoctrinated him. Yeah. And like, ah, yeah. oh, 
that that's that's the guy who made Armitage Hux yeah. <laughs> like that, <laughs> unable to uh, move forward and have his own existence because he's obsessed with the past he never experienced. Yeah, uh, taking the galaxy back to an alleged good old days. Okay. That to me is really interesting storytelling that I want to see more of. Yeah. Um, and I I saw another uh, strong opinion Facebook post, and as always. People can have whatever opinions they want, but it was, uh, you know, someone basically saying, like, I understand that they did some things in Mandalorian or announced some things at Star Wars Celebration that are going to try to prop up Palpatine's return, the laziest piece of Star Wars storytelling. I don't want to hear any 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 stories that are trying to prop up that lazy piece of blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and there, there's going to be those opinions. Uh, but what's strong and powerful to me about this is that it's not fixing there's there there's nothing in my opinion there's nothing to be fixed but even if you didn't like the sequel trilogy a lot of this is being led by dave filoni who at celebration told the great short little story of uh well uh i was working with george he hired me to work on the the clone wars i came up with this character and george said cool i like that character she's gonna be anakin's apprentice (laughs) and filoni saying to george lucas Anakin doesn't have an apprentice and George Lucas being like, yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, and when the Clone Wars came out and, and people uh, my age, the people that I knew did not like the prequels and like, ah, it's either, either it's more of this or they're trying to prop that up. Right. Mm-hmm. So here we are again, mm-hmm. full circle. And now many, many people love the Clone Wars. It, it expanded the palette of the galaxy. It, it, you know, showed us things that we thought, kind of, we already know the canon answer, and Anakin didn't have a Padawan, period. And now Ahsoka is one of the most influential, beloved characters in Star Wars. We learned so much more about Obi-Wan Kenobi, about the galaxy, we, all, all, of the, all of the groundwork for these Mandalorians, you know? Um, so I think I'm excited for the sequel trilogy to experience what the prequel trilogy did, which is to fill in more storytelling and it isn't about fixing it to me it's about the opportunity to tell more interesting stories that's it because as i said up top it's not just simply the connection of it all and and answering this and that that's part of it but it's just it's more storytelling in an era which we know nothing and there's some big things going on uh, you know where's mothma Leia, and han and how do you deal with that because of the realities of actors and performers and uh, yeah, I'm looking at that movie that Filoni's got, and I'm like, how, how, how do you not have Leia in it or Han or anything like that? And, and you know, we got some amazing technologies out there, um, without a doubt, and there's different ways you could approach that if they want to approach it. Um, but I'm just excited for exactly what you said. Um, and I think that's when, when, I, when, when this episode, I, 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 it was sitting around in my brain for a few days because I couldn't watch this episode, and I just saw people getting excited, and, and a little bit of Grumpy Ken took over of like, I don't like Heir to the Empire. I don't want this. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want it. And then I thought more about it. And then and 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 once I you know we had seen this opening thing, and I just thought more about about Brendel Hawks. It, it's so weird that it all is around this character. Um, but what's going on? And this is a new era to explore. It's not answers to get. It's stories to learn. And and that's why I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, thinking about the Clone Wars too, of like. What, where would the clones have been? They would have been on fortunate pawns if it was mm-hmm. just the movies. Now, mm-hmm. now we know so much more about them. Their story matters. The individual individuality matters. 
those are the kinds of stories, those rich world building stories that I think are possible in this era. It's it's interesting to me, not in a fix it way, but mm-hmm. did did Snoke have agency? Mm-hmm. What was he literally a meat puppet? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, Palpatine's hanging there, and his his jaws moving, and so is Snoke's. Like that, all of that, mm-hmm. all of that is incredibly interesting and powerful to me. And this, what's going on with this Imperial remnant, the New Republic trying to make it all work? Where do they succeed? Where do they fail? All those things are interesting, rich storytelling opportunities, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of that. Where is Admiral Ray Sloan? Yeah. Uh, I haven't read that IGN article, but if you're, you, what you're saying is, you know, Floney's got uh, note cards. I'm sure one of them says Ray Sloan, mm-hmm. hugely popular character from the publishing side, fascinating perspective, and clearly somebody who might have been able to take, uh, to, to learn some lessons, mm-hmm. but has clearly been uh, taken off the board by the time of the sequel trilogy and not in the Shadow Council. What are your thoughts on Admiral Ray Sloan? I, I truly think we're one step closer to getting her in, in live action. Uh, we had her in the video game with squadrons, right? Yeah. Um, comics books. And she's a big, uh, big piece in that puzzle. And, and uh, I don't think it's a great end, but that's the thing too. I don't even know that. Right. Oh yes. I've thought she, I, in my mind, she was at one point killed and removed. Maybe she decided nuts to all this. I'm going out. <laughs> I'm going somewhere else because she's someone who, um, not serves herself in a selfish way, but that's part of her story. Uh, that's one of the, some of the final moments with Gallius Rax in the Aftermath series. You, you, you will serve the emperor. You will go on. Isn't that great? And she's like, no, I'm not, I'm doing this for myself, my own vision of what could, what, what could be some great stuff there. Um, and then she's removed. So, so now I, I really think if, if uh, that, again, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned again, again, it's, it's a great little bit of, bit, bit of that interview of just Dave going, I got, I got this entire, I got all these, and, and by the way, it's not something that's like he was stating it's an official, you know, war room of Star Wars planning. It just seems like it's his hobby. <laughs> he just goes home at night and is like sitting there uh, with his partner going, oh, look at that. Okay, I haven't mentioned we got Gallius Rax. What can you do with that? What can you do with, with younger Phasma at some point? She comes in the picture. Mm. Yeah, it just, it just it, it's ex- kind of exciting. And, 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 and as, as Star Wars continues to move forward, it, it, it gave me confidence that someone like Ray Sloan will pop up in a meaningful way. Yeah, I'm really hopeful for that. And, and it, I think we tend to sometimes go, well, here's the dot we know at mm-hmm. the beginning of this story. Here's the dot at the end. There must be a straight line, right? In the, the great, Clone Wars animated series storytelling, the amount of storytelling that's happened on the publishing side mm-hmm. uh, in the, I think we used to have that with the rebellion, right? Of like, well, the empire took over, then Moth Moth, Mon Mothma and Bail Organa started the rebellion, right? Yeah. Well, no, it's much more complicated and, and interesting than that. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way about like a character like Ray Sloan of maybe she had enough and partnered with some alien species in the unknown regions we've never met and almost took down yeah. <laughs> the first order, right? Or was a rival or, uh, you know, yeah. it, it's really fun to think about what storytelling could be there. Yeah. Uh, all right. Moving on from Ray Sloan, because I bet we'll have an opportunity to talk more about her. Um, let's talk about Project Necromancer. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is just directly tied to Palpatine? Obviously that Necromancer is, you know, bringing back the dead. Uh, the, there was a, also a kind of an important canon revelation that Gideon's cloning efforts, the thing that motivated 
plot-wise, a lot of the first two seasons of The Mandalorian trying to get uh, Grogu's blood is a side project. And the real cloning efforts, the big cloning efforts, are Brendel Hux's project and obsession. How do you feel about the, the Gideon revelation, that it's a selfish little side effort? And do you think Project Necromancer is just plain old bring Palpatine back? It's hard for me to say no to that, right? It, it, it's pretty clear. I mean, you're using, you know, uh, you, we're rolling dice and playing Magic, Magic the Gathering. You bring in that term Necromancer in here. We got, we got some fun nerd mm. stuff going on, and I love it. It's hard for me to say that it isn't related to what's going on in Exegol. That's part of what he's there for. He's a little bit more directly involved with the contingency, I think, that's some of the final moments with him and Gallius Rax. Uh, so, so, yes, I, I think that's it. But I, I think my favorite thing was kind of to some of the bigger things to be talking around about Gideon. It is about his own desires and his own search for power. Yes, he says, long live the empire. Sure, absolutely. He loves the toys too, but it is about Gideon and and that whatever's going on is his own game is, is fascinating to me because that's that's how it works on the dark side, which means that's how it fails often on the dark side. And there's always someone who's going to come and take what you're doing. So he's kind of doing that to them. They're doing it to him. I love that. I love that it's not great. You got Grogu so we can bring Sheev back. I, I, and again, this might there might be more details. Um, I just don't look at it as simply as, as that. I, but Necromancer, I kind of, to me, simply is that. But but I love the reveal. It just made sense for Gideon. This is about him. He's the villain here. We, we've talked about it for years now, uh, mm -hmm. about the Mandalorian, of the, as the cloning stuff emerged, as we, we heard uh, M count and saw weird shapes, like, is that a Snoke? Uh, mm -hmm. That there's a natural desire to change it into, ah, that's how they're trying to, to make mm -hmm. this work for Palpatine. But you and I have talked for years about it seems much more like Gideon is obsessed with himself and his own power. We meet him monologuing mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. about how how superior he is to everyone in that cantina. He knows who they are and he knows why they're going to give up and why they're going right. to lose. And it, right. it and this obsession with Mandalore in particular and that Mandalore challenged him. And now his life's work is to prove like, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> you didn't own me. You didn't own me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. in almost a, it's villainous and frightening, but it's almost also like a sad childish, like I need to prove I'm better than them. So we've been talking for years and I'm curious now about like, I think he's trying to give himself some kind of power, not yes. hand it to anybody else. Yes. Uh, and and I, I don't think that's the way the force works that he can just give himself a force injection and now he's got powers. Mm -hmm. But I think we could see something unnatural in yeah. uh, unnatural manipulation, uh, torturing the midi chlorians to make them do something the same way Kyber crystals can be tortured, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to, to give himself a brief unhealthy burst of power or, <laughs> or others. I think that's what Gideon is up to. And Project Necromancer, uh, it's uh, hard not to read yeah. it as as in, in service of the one true leader. They're talking about new leadership, and Brenda Huck says Project Necromancer is in place for that, meaning yes. new yeah. leadership. Of like, great, 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 uh, Thrawn can, can uh, manage the store until we get Project Necromancer working. Yes. And then we're back in, into business with the true empire and the one true emperor. In, in G.I. Joe terms, Gideon's Cobra Commander, 
Thrawn is Destro and Necromancer is Serpentor. They're trying to build uh, the, the, the perfect leader again by bringing old chief back. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. There's, yeah, there's, I'm, I'm excited about it overall here, but just uh, that um, it, it's similar. Project Necromancer and the idea that it's Palpatine is similar to me. And again, we don't know. So this all could be changed. Maybe they're literally building another leader. I don't know. Um, maybe that's Snoke, right? Right? Maybe it's yeah. that. But could be. Could be. But, but whatever it is, it, it is, it is, um, it's similar to, to when Luke shows up at the end of season two of, no, we didn't do that for, you know, for, for, for just, it's a simple wink and, wink and a nod. That's the character that needed to be there when we really thought about it. So if you're building all this up there, Snoke or Palpatine, I, I, I think it's more Palpatine to me than Snoke, but I don't know yet. It, it, it It's there. So it's, it's not just a simple piece on the board you got to deal with. It's like, it's fun. It's there. That would make sense. That's what they would be talking about. Um this is the long game for Palpatine. He's always been obsessed with this stuff. Um, so it would be there. It just makes sense. Yeah. And I like the idea that it, it, it to me, it's more interesting storytelling that there are leadership people in the first order who were aware of it yeah. uh, and, and taking part in it. I understand how you can take some of the lines in the, in the rise of Skywalker and feel like some of the leaders of the first order aren't aware of it. Uh, but uh, aren't aware of Palpatine, aren't aware of the final order. Kylo clearly wasn't, but uh, Allegiant General Pride was. So mm-hmm. it, it could be that there's kind of a hand-picked uh, glitterati <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that knows the big picture plan and and uh, and not everybody does by the time it rises Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Moving on to some other canon stuff. Uh, the I don't think they are named in the episode. I might have missed something in the press, but the uh, the Gideon's new troopers are reminiscent in design. They're different, but they're reminiscent of the Imperial Super Commandos led by Gar Saxon in Rebels. And as many people have pointed out, uh, they are great action figure fodder. Yes, they <laughs> are. More troopers. There are the. Uh, it's amazing how much uh, Star Wars has uh, over the years. Uh, the the stormtrooper look and the Mando look have talked to each other, informed <laughs> each other, birthed of the same design process. Then it became Boba Fett. Then the clone initial clone armor was kind of Mandalorian armor and it had you know some connection there. All the with the helmet shape and uh, back and forth and back and forth. The Imperial Super Commandos are Mandalorians who are loyal to the Empire. And now we have what looks like kind of a private guard mm-hmm. of uh, of Gideon using actual Beskar, he confirms. Uh, yeah. Mind from the planet itself right there, but uh, clearly troopers. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about them? I I think the look is they have too much they have too much gray in, in the outfit for me. All right, that's a, that's my one <laughs> too much gray. Um, but I know I like it. I like it's the evolution of it. like that's his version of it. I uh, also like that later on, maybe someone like Hux is like, let's go back to the classic Stormtrooper look. All right. I like season one. All right, let's do this. Um, so I, I'm excited about that. Yeah. And uh, uh, if you're if you're into collecting and building up your armies with figures, you, you might have a chance here. Yeah, they looked cool to me. I liked a little bit of the visual connection to the Imperial Super Commandos. Yes. I liked that they looked very, very Imperial. Uh, the Stormtrooper helmet uh, and all of its various iterations have a little bit of a skull, uh, a, a death symbol of, of being skull-like. These really leaned into the, like, it looks like a skull is is staring down at me, and I, I really mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, that's a good look. That's, that's a good, good description. 
Speaking of uh, slightly different armor worn by scary people, let's talk about the Praetorian Guards. You were talking about it's just this great sequel pop because, wow, we know them. Uh, or we know versions of them. Uh, what did, what were your thoughts on seeing them, seeing them kind of barely break a stride, <laughs> killing old paws? Uh, yeah. Let's start there, and then I got some other questions about the Praetorian Guards. I mean, look, I just like the 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 mention of them up top. Up top. I, I didn't. I, I at the time was like not sure. I, di I didn't think. Oh, they're definitely going to show up at the end, right? I, I, I didn't, mm -hmm. like, oh, that's awesome, and you can order them. Uh, you know, put them on layaway and pay for them later. This is wonderful. Uh, I like their appearance. Uh, look, in terms of, of pro wrestling, this is how you do it. You got the big, you got the big guy. How's he going to take the loss? Uh, he fights everyone else, and then there's a run in by three guys at the end who cheat to win. That's how you. That's how you tell the story. Um, <laughs> that's how you do it. And uh, they look good. Love the design. The kind of a cross between the royal guards of of the previous era, like for like the helmets. Mm -hmm. Little Mando vibe, and 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 later on, they're like, "Hey, you guys can pick your helmets. Go a little different." Uh, I I I just I really love them. And talk about more figures to get. And look, as someone, and you're right there with me, buddy, is someone who for for a lot of 2018 had to be careful about who we mentioned. We like Last Jedi too. Um, <laughs> this felt good, man. Now life isn't about wins and losses, but this was a good moment. Well, just. The the images and the ideas from specific movies that, that people develop strong opinions about and narratives are formed around, those things start breaking down when the individual pieces of those films become beloved. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. seeing the first step of the Praetorian Guards aren't a symbol of The Last Jedi, a, a movie that invites extremely strong opinions, mm -hmm. <laughs> viscerally strong opinions from every conceivable angle <laughs> now the praetorian guards this is one of those first steps of like but they're just going to be the praetorian guards and yeah they're from the last jedi but they're also from mandalorian and they're also yeah. now their own story uh, i love that their armor is earlier it's got yeah definitely the different helmets are cool and got mm -hmm. almost like a, a really old roman centurion kind of vibe to them mm -hmm. uh connecting to the praetorian uh, I guess I don't need to use a different Roman name since that's mm -hmm. in their name, the Praetorian Guards. But the way that they were used of like, okay, uh, Hux and Pelion, you're out there away, farther away from New Republic eyes, if mm -hmm. the rest of the canon we know is to be believed that they're in the unknown regions. And so they're able to amass uh, much more resources. And here's this real special resource. They don't ask for royal guards 2.0 or i need some of the emperor's former royal guards or whatever they need praetorian guards mm -hmm. which to me really invited like there's a bigger story to tell about them than just mm -hmm. visual dictionary quick answer they're snoke's best of the best uh, maybe maybe that's all it is they're, they're the best of the best great cool yeah. but for me it it suggested more like well, where where do they come from? Are they of the unknown regions? Who or what are they? Are they the best of the best? Or are they some mm. dark secret? Are they a different species? Are they clones? You know, d d does each one of them have a, a drop of some strange elixir that they must eat every day? You know, mm -hmm. I, I got this sense of like, there's room to make the, them really interesting instead of just uh, stormtroopers who are actually good at their jobs. How do you feel about that? I, I there was a I, I there was a story. Yeah, it's just a natural evolution, and it just made sense from the royal guards on. But yeah, it, it, about ooh, it, 
beyond just being a specialized unit, but there's the pain that go that, that that's involved, right? Isn't there something in the description of like, yeah, yeah, they're 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 their their outfits actually hurt them. Like they're in constant pain and torture. Right, they've got like this, uh, there's a filament that has like yeah. electricity, which is what, one of the things that makes it hard to cut through them, but they're in constant pain. And pain. those those little visual dictionary answers that, yeah. that we used to have. Uh, and now there could be so much more. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that the, the, um, they felt this is needed and that, and that there's this like, Oh, you want three Praetorian guards? Oh, someone must. You, are you in trouble? Oh, you need help. <laughs> Even the way it was presented was was solid. Yeah, someone thinks they're going to be assassinated. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. I loved it. Uh, all right, a couple other uh, canon things. Uh, we got a much more complete picture of the purge. It's been slowly mm-hmm. rolling out across the Mandalorian, but but really step by step time. We know now that you know in Rebels, the TV show. Factions, Mandalorian factions rally around Bo-Katan to resist the Empire. And it's a it's a victory for Sabine, bringing everybody together. And then we cut away. Uh, there's the horrific bombing in the Night of a Thousand Tears that we see the flashback to in Book of Boba Fett. And now we know that uh, after that initial attack, Bo-Katan uh, surrenders, but the uh, Empire Moff Gideon destroy everything anyway. Are, are you happy to just getting a, a lot more of this laid down on the timeline? Yeah, yeah, a note card down on the table, so to speak. Yeah, I, I like it, and I, I talked about what it meant for Bo-Katan to lay it down, uh, and, and I like that answer um, more than the one that I think I'd cooked up in my head. And it's been fun. It's been fun to track it. But, um, again, this is an example of not just having this event that we know we need to have, and we needed to, you know, how, to, how are the Mandos not in the Civil War? We need to kind of answer that question. We need to figure out what was going on with them, and this is the answer. Um, it's more than just be that it, it, it there's a great thematic use of it there and it's been kind of fun to uh, have them dole it out slowly yeah and for me it, it, it's just a reminder too of like okay with this imperial shadow council question mm-hmm. scene you know there's a lot of questions and patience will be rewarded yeah uh final thing for me is the the death watch canon we learned that yeah. the death watch is no more they shattered fighting amongst themselves on the moon of concordia the children of the watch then are implied to be one of those groups how, does this change your view of the Children of the Watch mm-hmm. of uh, the armor? No, I think it kind of confirms that they are who I think they are. You know uh, mm-hmm. where they came from. I thought it was, a, you know, I, I, her answer is the answer makes a lot of sense. But I was even this is in my not trusting the armor mode here, where she's they're like you part of Death Watch. She's like Death Watch is not more. It's like that wasn't the answer. That wasn't the that, that, that that's not that wasn't the question. <laughs> that's that's not the answer to give. Are you did you come from it? Do you believe in it? Do you have any part of it? Uh, and uh, her answer again, I think is pretty truthful. That's what happened. It splintered. We all fought each other. But and so yes, it's implied that the children of the watch are from that. But I, I just love that reference. And again, I, I curious. It, it's it's not like uh, Dave and John aren't aware of the character of Duchess Satine. But I, I just I, I can't wait for that name to be just said, said mm-hmm. with power and purpose. Uh, and then we're getting closer there too because of the death one. Uh, no, I very much agree with that. And I really like your point. I didn't, I was so uh, happy to hear the name Death Watch said after we mm-hmm. saw them uh, rescue Din as a child, Children of the Watch. It's obviously all connected. Uh, but I hadn't really picked up on the fact that, yep, she definitely does not actually answer the question. And I really wanted <laughs> that Mandalorian survival, uh, survivor to, to follow up with, like, and in the horns. <laughs> Is that a mall thing? Because we're not big on mall. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, are you, are you basically wearing a Sith Lord t-shirt on your head? Is that what's going yeah, on? Yeah, is that what's going on here? Yeah. 
some great canon stuff. We took some time with that. We will move uh, uh, quickly here through some of our uh, action and comedy. We are going to break the two-hour mark, uh, but we will uh, keep ourselves moving. There is some great action in this episode, Ken. What were you drawn to? Do you like ships flying? Do you like flying ships landing? This is the episode for you. (laughs) Look, I'm a huge fan of flying through storms, uh, even when it's scary. I like doing it, so I like watching it. I was fascinated with it uh, when when the the cruiser lands near the the the, the uh, covert camp. I was fascinated with it because it's just such a massive ship, even though it's small compared to other imperial ships in the past. Uh, and to see like the landing gear coming out, I, I was soaking up every minute of it. It was some. It, we always put this in the action section, but it was some action ships landing. Big ships landing. I enjoyed it. It was great. Along those lines, I loved. Uh, I loved all. I love the gauntlet passing through the storm again. I love mm-hmm. the Mandos looking at the planet. I love all the Mandos dropping out of that gauntlet as, yeah. m- as much as possible. Drop out that gauntlet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, in an, ep- uh, in an episode full of a ton of action, a lot of fight and action, there's a lot of individual, individual moments to shout out. But I just overall just like the pacing, the coordination of it. Uh, a lot of good stuff there, even in the fight over chess. Yeah, I thought the action was was well shot, well choreographed. Rick Famuyiwa was clearly a, a fan of uh, screen combat, and I think mm-hmm. it shows in his direction. Uh, yeah. I particularly liked uh, Axwo's uh, rocket launching his knee into Paz Vizsla's head. <laughs> yeah, and then also the one where he kind of trips him later on, and and Tate mm-hmm. Fletcher, Tate Fletcher takes a big bump. Uh, I loved I loved that. Uh, it was a good fight. Yeah, lots of li- the 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 night owls seem to have really perfected the use of little uh, punctuated rocket blasts. So good yeah. for you, night owls. Even going over obstacles, right there, because Bo contended it last week. I think uh, Costa Reeves <laughs> did at one point this week. Yeah, yeah, they're always doing it. It's great. Uh, that that massive Star Wars beast bursting from the ground, the mm. tail smash of the ship. That I just I'd never seen it. I just recently watched Jason in the Argonauts, and it so has that vibe of a. Uh, you know, all, all these these little figures on a ship and that massive beast shattering the ship and a couple of the Mando's jetpacks exploding and the rest of them all landing and scattering. That that whole sequence was phenomenal. Too. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And and, and talking about foreshadowing, the, the, the threat emerging from the very planet itself uh, buried deep and down. Uh, deep down, I love that. And and, 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 and talking up top about, uh, you know, what Alex Damon had told you about. It's got every a little bit of everything if you love Mando. It's got a little bit, and, and, and a, what, a weird creature emerging to fight you is <laughs> very Mando and very Star Wars. And, and I like that sequence. Yeah. And set up well by Bo-Katan saying the bombings have, you know, awakened. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't write that down, line down, but uh, ancient beasts, uh, that's not the way she said it, but that's the way I heard it. Yeah. Uh, once we get into the some of the the big fighting, a uh, couple things I loved with the Mando against these new uh, troopers. There's one Mando who uh, shoots out uh, some cable and grabs a trooper with a rope and just rocket chokes him. Yes, <laughs> yes, uh, I think Grace yelled, "Yeah, get it!" At that point, so uh, I, th- th- I think there was a little glint of light on my iPad, and for just a moment, I thought Grogu was choking. Grew that Grogu was. <laughs> we're going to cut to Grogu's little hand. Uh, yeah. I, I liked uh, there were some great hero shots of Din and Bo-Katan f- uh, fighting the troopers and finding their weak spots and I did it looks cool and you want to give Din and, and Bo-Katan some hero moments but it's also that like yeah you can wear our armor you can try to steal our culture but we understand it we know we yeah. know to get you in the knees and the throat <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah, all, all that, uh, all that hubbaloo uh, there from Gideon about those troops, they, they still fell pretty quick, I thought, in a good way. Yep, yep, 
Yep. Uh, and then for me, the the pause sadness was was awesome. Mm-hmm. I particularly liked seeing that huge blaster start to uh, overcook and melt, mm-hmm. and then pause of all characters is the one who's going to do the classic action move of okay, if the gun can't shoot anymore i'm going to hit somebody with it yeah no and 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 he 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 takes it to the to the mat so speak in that one shot where he throws he, he like double axe handle with his hand to the trooper on the ground and then flings him off the cliff I, that was a particular, <laughs> particular highlight for me yeah, I think my my final highlight is the, yeah he does that big move. I think he kicks another one. He, like towards the end, there's just like cleanup. There's like yeah. two that are already unconscious, and he just like whoop. And, and yeah. it really is like oh uh, my my parents are coming over to my dorm room, and I'm gonna stick that under the rug. And yeah. Whoop. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> indeed. And, then the- and you know I love people falling from high places, yes, and I was do. rewarded. Yeah. All right, let's talk about comedy and whimsy. What moments do you have here? Uh, look, there, there's a couple other moments, but. Yes and no. All else fails in comparison. Uh, one of my favorite Star Wars bits in in ages. It, it it's up there. It's a top five comedy moment for me, and and it has great meaning, and it's used so well. Uh, and and for it to lead up to the moment with accent and and pause is great. But just that <laughs> that sequence is hilarious to me. It was so well written, so well timed, so well played. Uh, including the end zillin bad baby. Like I just, everything about it. And, and, you know, cause I'm imagining if I could put my dog in one of those, what would that, <laughs> how many times my dog just hammer? Yes, 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 yes. And then to follow it up with the walking, the cuts to the city. And it's just, yes, yes, yes. To the city. I, I'm, I'm, it, it brought such a smile to my face. I can only imagine in a, in a theater of 4,000 people, Star Wars fans celebration. That must've just brought down the house. I love Grogu moments. I'm a sucker for Grogu moments and I always will be. And this is one of my favorites. I'm right there with you. It reminded me of watching the second episode of the show, The Child. It mm-hmm. was great to see Grogu pop in the first episode, but that second episode, uh, just being shocked at how cute, charming, mm-hmm. funny, how much they were getting out of that puppet. Like, is this level of cute legal? Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. have to register with the government to do this. It, it was so powerful. Easy to forget, I think, in retrospect, how much the success of the child of mm-hmm. Baby Yoda of Grogu was one of the things that launched Mandalorian into such huge success and popularity, starting from that Rick Famuyiwa episode, The Child, mm-hmm. that this felt so tied to it of, I love Grogu moments, but this was an evolution. And that level of this is, to me, so funny, so charming. Yeah. <laughs> That it's off the charts. The shock of him being able to speak and say mm-hmm. no. Um, can't wait to hear uh, Jennifer's toddler thoughts <laughs> on it. But it's about agency, right? And yeah. and Din Shock like, what did you say? Yeah, what <laughs> that was great. The nope, I'm doing this. My yeah. choice. And the the bad baby no squeezy uh, might yeah. not be for everybody. I like it. But the biggest thing is the yes, yes, yes. That would have been funny if he just did it in Grief's office. Mm-hmm. The, the cut to they walked how far away and he's just been <laughs> slamming the yes, yes, yes <laughs> button. Star Wars is uh, about getting past the hard things so you can enjoy everything it is to be enjoyed about the world. And yeah. seeing that this poor little creature who's been through a lot and has every reason to have trauma and has just floated around from pram to pram. Yes. <laughs> uh, you have to close the lid and hide from the world. Cause here comes the violence again mm-hmm. to be walking 
uh, on his own steam mm-hmm. and be so happy about it that he can't stop <laughs> expressing his joy. It's funny and it's annoying to, yeah. to Din, not yeah. uh, you know, because one of those like this is hilarious to me. In real life, I'd be losing my damn mind oh, yeah. if I was Din. Like, kid, mm-hmm. take your hand off the button. But more than anything, to me, it's this extremely pure expression of joy mm-hmm. and that that that's why you know my wife and i kept quoting it I finally got an amazing martini in uh in in london that's a whole other side story and it's really like yes 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 <laughs> yeah now i i mean again a setup top this episode hit me uh, perhaps a little different than others um in terms of it being the greatest of the series so far and all that kind of stuff uh um so i, I don't mean this with my arms folded like i'm a contrarian but this was my favorite part of the show uh, all the other stuff, yeah. that's cool. That's neat. Brendel Hawks, Praetorian Gates, that's awesome. Paz dies, great. Yes, 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 yes. That was my favorite part of this episode. I, uh, I totally understand. I, I appreciate everything that was powerful about this episode, but that that was the part I was like, I, I, I yeah. would have loved to see this with <laughs> thousands of people. Oh. Yes, 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 yes. And I am also shocked that maybe people were doing that all weekend who got to see it at Star Wars Celebration, and I just didn't have the context, so I didn't hear it. Yeah, uh, that's true. Good point. Yeah, up there to me with n- new, new, new best Star Wars quotes. Uh, I, I want to honor that moment, so I'm going to throw out one other small moment. I did. It was such a grief cargo line. I really liked when he gave the bottle of space whiskey to <laughs> Dean. Did and said that's all the way from Gorson, so you might want to wait for a smaller gathering before you open it. Uh, it's perfect grief of like a, a kind-hearted, uh, warm-hearted, a, a million different you know bro handshakes he, he's shared with with Dan, mm-hmm. but he still has that little whisper like I got a secret. Keep this for yourself. <laughs> no, I uh, I love that. I want, first of all, they should sell those. I would buy them. But as someone, yeah. you know, you're like there too. You you, you get to cert, you get a certain age, and I guess the only gifts people know to get you are alcohol bottles, right? Um, <laughs> which always is, is worse than but what they think of me. And uh, that you get you get a good bottle. Someone brings you some good Jameson. You're like, oh great. And then there's there's always like one or two friends who bring one, and you look at it, and you're like, I gotta hide this in my closet because I'm gonna drink this after <laughs> everyone leaves. I don't want anyone to have this. And 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 that's what that moment felt like. Yeah, it really was. It was, it was the, I bought this real special for you for your birthday party and all the people here will, will keep drinking paps. So don't put this out. Don't put it out. <laughs> uh, is there anything that we haven't touched on this episode that you yeah, wanted to? Yeah. yeah well, yes. Uh, there's one other comedy moment I want to discuss. <laughs> so yes, it, it works for both categories. Okay. I'm obsessed with Gideon's kind of silly. It, like it doesn't, it, it's, it's, well, oddly enough, doesn't work for me, but also is so funny that I love it that I don't want him to stop. His constant like and bombers. <laughs> he says it so many times. He was like, launch the tighter scepters and bombers. It says here you ordered tighter scepters and bombers. It started to read as as it belonged in the uh in Bart's treehouse when Millhouse is going through the conspiracy theory about the parents removing trying to remove the meal of dinner, where he says that the Rand Corporation in conjunction with the saucer people and Bart gives a nod. Gideon is, is Bart in that moment going and the bombers. Yes. Thank you. The bombers. You mentioned the bombers. It was, it's hilarious to me because it's kind of awkward. Just say you ordered fighters, right? Or just say you ordered tie fighters, but he's got to, they're very so specific. You, you want a tie interceptors? Yes. And bombers like you got it. You got it. And it's just the weird obsession with the tie bombers. It's fascinating. 
Yeah, I I want I want to keep getting as quirky as possible because I think it really adds to his his villainy. I loved his line, uh, Kane at the top report and make it as uh, make it quick as I am short on time." <laughs> <laughs> Such a jerk, and also like, "Hey, Gideon, if you're really struggling for time, have you tried contractions? They they save some time in your speech." Yes, yes exactly. Uh, all right, there are other comedy moments, but but we should move on. For me, uh, I, there was an image, a lot of images that I really loved. A lot of them really got into the space fantasy. I kind of think the volume is at its best when it's creating uh, fun other worlds that look like they were ripped off the the cover of a paperback from the 1970s, um, a science fiction paperback. But that image of the TIE Interceptors hanging like evil oh, bats in a cavern. Right? Yes, yes. Yeah. They've done a lot to, to make the TIE Interceptors People talked a lot about the TIE fighters being terrifying again in mm-hmm. Andor, and I full-heartedly, throatedly agree, but the mm-hmm. TIE interceptors, they're, they're too fast. Uh, mm-hmm. There are too many, uh, and the image of them hanging there, uh, mm-hmm. defiling the the forge of the Mandalorian people is just a beautiful image. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're, I'm a Return of the Jedi kid, and that that that, that image was spectacular. Loved it. Yep, I didn't get to have a TIE fighter toy, but I had a TIE interceptor because they were on discount by 1985, and I got to have one, and I love them. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on real quickly, there was the you know cliffhanger moment of Carson Teva discovering the Beskar remnant uh, from the shuttle where Gideon escaped from. Do you now take it that that was from his own troopers in a, in a hint that... Uh, a, a setup for what we discover here that he is holed up on Mandalore continually pillaging their culture or do you still think that might relate back to the spies the I, idea of a, a spy in the Mandalorian's midst I, I, look I, I think I'm going to I'm going to land on the spies aspect of it and we we should check uh, Axe Wove's armor to see if something's missing but I do love the angle that no it's it's a reveal like you know court yeah it's it's a little bit of a sleight of hand yeah you might think it's someone that we know and trust but but really you know he's been kind of building this stuff for a while so that would make some sense yeah it seems like we saw uh not grief we saw gideon uh roaming the galaxy with plenty of backup but he knew that if i get in real trouble i got my real power back on mandalore and mm-hmm, my new mm-hmm. imperial commandos whatever they're called will come for me yeah and- I, I, that or i i think the spies thing i'm really intrigued to see if there, there's a reveal uh but uh mm-hmm. i am up in the air about it myself so that's my definitive prediction let's talk about uh next week we got one final big episode do you have hopes dreams predictions for the final episode of season three of the mandalorian i, I mean i'm look, looking forward to 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 a din moff gideon sit down a little, little, little mm-hmm. interrogation what we might learn from that i think some big revelations the thought of you know Big Daddy throwing throwing up uh, throwing up showing up or throwing up. Sorry, I'm thinking about myself after my illness and travel and all that alcohol that grief got me. Um, yeah, I, I think him showing up is is uh, is possible. It's really possible. Um, to what end and why? I don't know. I don't think you need Thrawn in this, but um, it definitely definitely seems like Gideon is pushing buttons, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Set set it up, um, so that could be interesting as as well, and just getting a, a, an idea as as the season wraps up, a season about rebuilding Mandalore. What does that take, and how do you recover from that kind of large scale trauma? And what's the best way moving forward? Do we get that answer, or do we get a giant step in that direction? It's the big thing I have hanging over this. 
Yeah, and I think the the point of Thrawn showing up or throwing up, which I would love <laughs> if he's like, I I'm going to adjust my head to this degree of the toilet. <laughs> Uh, and I'm going to project my past food at this velocity. Um, but I think it, uh, a tag for Ahsoka makes a lot of sense uh, for this episode. So it's Ahsoka's yeah. locked, loaded, ready to start uh, advertising its run in August. Mm-hmm. And, you know, would be cool. Um, the the Your song is not yet written. I've seen a couple of people tweeting about it. I thought that was a great line. I thought that, that to me, sort of tied to that great Star Wars uh, idea of questioning you know even though you feel like you've made mistakes in life you're you're not done until you're done that's obi-wan's story that's luke's story that we get to see a han story like we get to see a lot of older people now go "Eh." you feel bad about the mistakes have been made but the song's not written yet so i think there is a little bit of a you know threat to bo katan (laughs) that Mm -hmm. will that be the end of her song um we got a mythosaur that um, one, two, three, four people could ride. Mm. Uh, we don't know what happened to their uh, uh, baby lizard chickens. <laughs> right. Uh, right. There's a lot going on. Um, we haven't seen Pedro's face yet this season, and there could be some real horror and trauma about Gideon taking his helmet off. I, mm-hmm. That's that that I don't I don't know how I feel about that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. One of the things that I'm most excited about is how Grogu gets centered in this finale. Mm. We've got a direct inversion of, of last season where mm-hmm. uh, Gideon has has Din. Um, I did I did uh, wonder. It makes sense to me that Grogu is shocked, traumatized, uh, trying to survive and fight the other day, but like that it's got to be hurting Grogu to, to run away from his daddy, not, not trying yet, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think we've seen lots of evidence of Grogu's growth. I'm wondering if, I think there will be a big force moment with him, but what will the nature of it be? How will, how will he choose to use the force to, to save who he loves? Yeah, no, I think that's a, a great point. And, and just in terms of uh, base level predictions, that's a great prediction too, to, to hold on to it. And not that, this is what we do in this section, but but that just makes a lot of sense. The 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 reverse roles of it, uh, I think, is very purposeful. So yeah, um, imagine Grogu in IG twelve lifting Gideon up, force maybe even a maybe uses a dark server. I don't know. Maybe it's on the table, but I, I really agree with you. There. Yeah, powerful stuff. And I'm curious to see if we will see more of Grogu's past trauma. Oh, yeah, I had that thought this morning, too, of, uh, you know, I, I definitely believe we're going to get more of that there. Um, but will it be this week or next year? I don't know. Yeah. Powerful, interesting stuff. Uh, we could predict uh, all day long, but we've already uh, gone long in this episode with our exhausted, gravelly voices. So let's wrap up with uh, the most important question. What action figure or merch do you want inspired by this episode, Ken? I mean, look at, you know, IG-12 with Grogu. You mentioned it. People are already calling yeah. for us. So, yeah, that's great. We'll we'll put that on the board. But I, I think you need to release this uh, Mando chess game. <laughs> I think it'd be a lot of fun. I, I have my unofficial, uh, official card game featured in the Han Solo motion picture card set. <laughs> give me, give me that game. I like that. I'm, I'm an old, uh, I'm a kid from the 80s and 70s. I like board games. Let's do it. Yeah, I really want the Mando board game with with alternate rules. Uh, And I don't know if I want it uh, cruelly phrased the way that X did of here are the primitive rules. (laughs) uh, I'm not sure if I want that, but I definitely want uh, alternate rules. Yeah, this entire episode 
It, it is the endless battle of Star Wars. I, I joke, I've literally done it in stand-up. George Lucas did not start a non-profit organization yeah. in the 1970s. I don't, in my opinion, I don't think specific choices are made for uh, merchandising. Mm-hmm. I think choices are made creatively. But then every once in a while, there's an episode that uh, pleases my eyes and it hurts my wallet because, yep, troopers are what people buy. Troopers are what people make. And there are so many. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I look forward to that. But more than anything, I want the IG-12 armor Grogu for sure. That's mm-hmm. just uh, powerful, beautiful. And then uh, I want a tablet that does nothing but says yes or no in that voice. Like <laughs> People think yeah, I got an iPad. Like, no, this is yeah. just my tablet for saying yes or no. Yeah, you, you'd all ask me to leave your party, but I absolutely would love to have that, like, just on a little, like, because I have, like, a, where I have a, this, I have a Bigfoot one, so that's a Bigfoot, I can just do Bigfoot sounds. Give me that with just yes and no in, you know, in Tyka's voice, doing IG-12 would be great. Yeah, absolutely, and maybe throw in a maybe, maybe there's a maybe button on there and we don't know about it. Yes, 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 no, maybe. Yeah, love it, love it, love it. Well, we look forward to it. A big, epic episode of The Mandalorian. A big, epic episode of our report. Thanks to everyone listening. Ken, where can people find us? Hey, you can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Subscribe over there. we got some cool stuff coming up, including live Q&A at the end of the month and uh, shorts, videos, and more kinds of uh, fun things there. So stay tuned for that. Uh, catch the latest episode of Figure Fights featuring Alex and Molly Damon of Star Wars Explained. Uh, we're on Instagram, YouTube. I uh, said that. Facebook. What's the other one? Facebook. Hive Social. Oh, just search for us. Uh, podcast available a lot of different spots. Just search. You'll find us. You can get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash force center for now. And you can support us directly, as so many have recently, at patreon.com slash force center. So close to reaching our goal of that new Jennifer Landa series uh, and almost crossing 400 supporters. Uh, we'd love for you to join the team because from there you get into the discord where a wonderful community of four center friends uh, are there they build the community they are the community they connected in person star wars celebration it was wonderful to join that follow me at ken knapsack go to my website kennapsack.com to link to other things i do including streaming uh, Fortnite on my youtube channel youtube shorts on my youtube channel more things coming in that regard um stand-up shows all those kind of things uh you know and hey pretty soon maybe some stand-up uh, that we did in london might be uh you know available in our own lives stay tuned for that kind of information joseph where can i find and follow you yeah, lots of exciting possibilities feel like they're opening up from our great time in Star Wars celebrations. We can't wait to, to discuss that more, all the possibilities. But you can find me on all the social media at Joseph Scrimshaw, Twitter, Instagram, Mastodon sometimes, except for I didn't post it for the last two weeks. My apologies. Uh, TikTok, I bought a lot of action figures, so there are a lot of not <laughs> unboxing videos coming. I brought an, a duffel bag, and when I was coming home in L.A. in the middle of the night, I had a duffel bag. It looked like I was walking out of a heist movie like i had cash and like nope i had just a huge bag full of action figures so those those will be popping up soon on uh, youtube and on tiktok and the not unboxing videos that is it so for myself for ken for grogu the jedi mandalorian who looks at life and says yes 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 this has been the mandalorian report
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.